We are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. This is Monday night, May the 15th, and we are doing our Darlington NASCAR race review and hot topic sound off tonight. We're going to start with some short track news, and uh, then we're going to move on to the ARCA East Series race that took place this weekend at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Uh, we'll also include a brief update for the ARCA Menards and the ARCA West Series update. And in the next half hour, uh, co-host Sal Segal and I will comment on the media interview with Kyle Larson. He was the NASCAR Xfinity Series winner this weekend in the number 10 Chevrolet for college racing. Afterward, we will review the NASCAR Truck Series race at Darlington Raceway. And our, our third half hour, we're reviewing the Xfinity and then the Cup Series races that also took place out at Darlington Raceway. Hot Topic Sound Off will start at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern tonight. And joining me for our first 90 minutes is our co-host, Jay Hughes, um, Sal Gala. You've been gone for two weeks, Sal. I forgot your name. <laughs> Shared. It doesn't matter even when I'm here for for. For 130 <laughs> weeks, you still call me Jay. Well, it's South <laughs> Gala, everybody. Oh, okay. I know everybody We're knows. And then, and, then, uh, and then later on, it'll be you'll do it again. So it's okay. We're all right with that. Okay, thank you. I'm going to try not okay. to real hard, but uh, let's go ahead. Uh, I've given the rundown for tonight, so let's go ahead and talk about some short track news. We've got. Um, Three websites that we use for our resources here that includes uh, Racing America, Flow Racing, and Short Track Scene. We're going to start with the news over at Racing America. Uh, Alex Bowman is still recovering from his fractured vertebrae, uh, but he doesn't really have a timeline yet for his cup return. So that was kind of disappointing news this weekend. Yeah, it is. I mean, You know, um, when you have a fractured vertebrae, you know you got to take your time on that. So you know what, it's 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 um it's not nothing you know that you want to rush. So, I mean, we just keep wishing Alex the best. You know, and you know he'll be, when he comes back, you know he'll be back. You know, but until then, that's basically where we're at with it. Yep, and you and I have both experienced that, so we know exactly what's going you know, how long it takes to recover from something like that. Yeah. And then what else do we have? We have, uh, oh, the entry list for the NASCAR All-Star Open, which is racing tomorrow night on Flow. It's uh, 55 drivers. Um, They're only taking, Gosh, I think only 21 are going to make the show. Let me see. There are 20 on the NASCAR right. All-Star Race entry list. 16. Oh, no, this is for the All-Star Open. I'm talking about for the one at North Wilkesboro, the, the short track race at North Wilkesboro. All-Star Open happens just there, before the All-Star Race. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is, is they're having a they're having a, um, they're having a race tomorrow at North, at North Wilkesboro. It's um oh, Derek, yeah, the anyway, Derek tour Thorne's race. gonna be there. Yeah, the ASA yeah. the ASA tour. Yeah. But they they got fifty five cars. Um they maxed out 
So originally they were going to just let, they didn't expect this many entries, but they stopped at 55 when the 50 cent driver came in. They said, that's it. So um, it's going to be good. Um, you can watch tomorrow flow racing. Um, you have drivers like William Byron, uh, Daniel Suarez, um, just name a few. And also um, uh, Noah Gregson will be there. Bubba Pollard, Stephen Nassi, uh, Ty Majewski, and uh, Derek Thorne made the trip out there. He got there, uh, actually got there today. Today they're unloading, today they're going through tech. And it's a one-day show, so tomorrow they're going to practice, qualify, and race all in one day. Wow. Exciting. So, yeah, that's, you know, the All-Star Race Weekend is really starting, like you say, this week on Wednesday with that uh, tour, uh, with the Super Late Model Tours touring series that's going to be racing out there. So uh, it's going to be an event that you do not want to miss. So if you're not already subscribed to Flow Racing, you want to make sure you do that. Um, And then don't forget on Wednesday... Yeah, and then on Wednesday, they're going to have the Pro Late Models, which is going to have Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Brad Keselowski are going to be out there racing that on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. might be something if you if, for the fans to go out and see. Um, I don't know how, how many other Coke drivers are going to be there, but I know for sure Dale Jr. is racing. Gosh, I forget which um, which uh, car he was going to race, but cars, also... Uh, cars Tour. Yeah, and Harrison Burton is also uh, Harrison Burton is also racing in that in that. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll also yeah, be in that field with, uh, with Dale Jr. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, drivers that are on that list. You kind of moved over to Flow Racing on me. We usually take about five minutes for each series. Um, but oh, no, they're yeah, still racing that, America. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they have it over it's at Flow Racing both. too. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, flow flow racing is where you where you can see it at, but but uh, but racing America is covering they're covering the stories, you know. Also, you know, Brad for the it's, it's, it's a be big there. event. Kevin yeah, Harvick Ross is racing. Chastain. Chase Elliott, Chastain. Yeah, there's and Eric Jones. There's a there's a lot of drivers. Yeah, it's going to be good. I don't know which one's going to be better, Tuesday or Wednesday, but um. Well, Wednesday you have Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kevin Harvick, and Chase Elliott. Tuesday you'll have uh, Daniel Suarez, William Byron, and Eric Jones and Noah Gregson. But I think Noah and, and I think those drivers are racing both nights. So, okay. Well, anyway, that's cool. Get, get yeah. out there and, and uh, get out there and watch it. Very cool. And, and like I say, don't forget you can watch, oh, as you also said, uh, for racing, if you're a subscriber there, uh, there are all kinds of stories that you'll want to check out uh, with regard to all kinds of racing that's happening all over the country. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move. Well, we've got a couple minutes here. Let's catch a couple of these on uh, flow racing. The NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour is going to uh, roll into Riverhead Raceway. And uh, that's going to be a, a, a race uh, that everybody will want to take in. It will be Saturday, May the 20th, and it's on Long Island's Riverhead Raceway. So uh, those fans that are out in that area are definitely going to want to check this one out as well. Um, the, the Race Bus Crew 2 
Chevrolet Cadillac 200 uh, will take place at 8 p.m. Eastern time. They're going to race about 200 laps on a quarter-mile paved oval at Riverhead, New York. So uh, it will be available for live streaming over at uh, Flow Racing as well. They'll have final practice from 3.15 to 4.15 and qualifying at 6 p.m. with the race at 8 p.m. Eastern. So uh, definitely check that one out. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. That's going to be a real good one. It is. And then, uh, gosh, what, yeah, there's there's a lot of different. I didn't have a chance. I just got it from work. I didn't have a chance to go through and really pick out, you know, the ones that were, um, you yeah, know, ones okay. that were really. Uh, got Sheldon yeah. Child set for High Limit Sprints Homecoming at Wayne County Speedway. Uh, and uh, that's Tuesday's High Limit Sprint Car Race that's going to take place at Wayne County. It's a yearly sprint car fan circle on the calendar because they don't want to miss it. Again, it's going to be available over at Flow Racing if you want to check that out. Uh, and then let's go ahead and move over to uh, Short Track Scene. Our friend Matt Weaver does a really good job of uh, keeping up with all the racing uh, that's taking place. You mentioned the ASA Stars uh, boast that 55-car field over at Wilkesboro. Um, Hunter Robbins, by the way, is excited for the Wilkesboro return. He's on that list. And Ty Majeski, uh, well, that's a different ASA race. I have to take that back. But uh, no, the there's one. a lot of racing. Is it? Yeah, no, well, it's the same, the same series. That, uh, but this was the Joe Shear Classic that was in Wisconsin uh, that I was Oh, yeah, yeah this, was, this was last yeah, this was last weekend. Uh, uh, Jacob Gomes raced in that race, and he was he started like 20 seconds from out here. From he raced the SRL Southwest Tour, and uh, he was he was looking at looking to possibly win the race, running his highest third when um, when Tyler Jeske clipped him in the back and sent him into the wall spinning, and ended his night. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, that was the Joe Shear Classic. I was going to go to that race, and then something came up. Sandy had me stay home and take her. I forget where we, we went somewhere. Uh, yeah. Well, that happens sometimes. <laughs> I know. That's, the that's what they say about, about getting married. So when you get married, remember <laughs> you're up. Uh, yep. I know what you're saying. Okay, um, the American Canadian Tour, Sean McHistory with a win in the uh, American Canadian Tour tour that took place at a Stafford showdown. So that's a little bit of a history-making event that took place uh, this past weekend. And then the SRL National is going to move to Bigley Memorial, move Bigley Memorial to the Freedom Factory. So that's some SRL news there, Sal. Yeah, you know, also um, Peyton Sellers and Carter Langley, they split the Sobo Twin 60s. I don't know how many of you remember who, if, I don't know how many of you remember who Peyton Sellers is. The name is very familiar. If anybody remembers who Peyton Sellers, if you could tell me he was part of one famous race 
that one famous driver knocked him out, you will get $5 from us. If someone can, can answer that question within within two minutes. Okay. Uh, respond so to us over there. on Twitter. Huh? Yeah. Respond on Twitter. And respond I have Respond over on Twitter. I've got Fan for Racing site. Up right now. You got one minute left. And, uh, the reason I said two minutes is because somebody will Google it. Oh, that's true. So we got to so, do. So you got to so respond within a minute. Well, now they got thirty seconds because we're using our own Google clock, and it's a fixed <laughs> clock. So instead of two minutes, you really only had one minute. Anyways, what it was was um, Joy Logano back in the. I'm going to throw a year out there. I think it was two thousand. 6, 2007, maybe in 2010, All-Star Showdown. At, at, it used to be called the Toyota All-Star Showdown at Erndale Speedway, and that's when um, it was the East and the West, Ken and West Series used to race together. Joy Logano on the last lap came out of turn three and, and made a bullet for Peyton Sellers and knocked him into the wall, almost killed the guy. And uh, Joy Logano was disqualified and got booed got booed out of Orndale Speedway. It was Peyton Sellers was on the receiving end of the of the wreck. And uh Kobe oh man, Kobe Luck, Kobe Luck, Kobe Kobe gosh, I can't remember what the name offhand. I can't yeah, remember his name, but Kobe Luck. Yeah, he was the one that ended up getting the win. But it was Peyton Sellers the one that Joey um just about killed. Uh yeah. T-boned him right, right on the front stretch. Wow. So I guess I get well, the I guess the $5 of... that's answered it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of uh, great stories from Matt Weaver and the folks over at Short Track Scene about the super late models, the pro late models, late models, modified, and all kinds of other series. So if you want to check that out, uh I'd really encourage everybody to check out Short Trek Scene. We're going to move on, Sal, over to oh, yeah, one, the Arkham Menard series. Just one, sure. one quick programming note. One quick programming note. If, if you if you have a, a – gosh, I think it, it should be Flow TV. But um, if, if you go to Flow TV this weekend, that uh, SRL Southwest Tour is racing at Orendale. They're running the um, – we're running the modifieds, pro late, and super late on Saturday night. So you can, you can. That's one program program note you can check out. Uh, we we got a good okay. field of cars so far that are that are that are joining in. So it'll be the SRL Southwest Tour instead of the National Tour this weekend. All right. Uh, there's no shortage of racing to watch if you're looking for a race to watch. That's for sure. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Arkham Art Series East uh, that raced at Nashville Fairground Speedway this past weekend, the Music City 200. And I'm going to start us off with Luke Funhouse took the lead from William Sawalich on a one-lap overtime restart to score his first career Arkham Art Series East win. Funhouse led the final two laps, the first laps he ever led, in an Arkham Art Series East competition to take that victory. So those were two very important laps for Luke Fenhouse. Oh, yes, they were. Uh, actually, the um, Solich was the uh, was the early was the early lap leader. 
Yeah, he led uh, that 200. Do you have the notes I sent you on uh, the team's page? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't know why this thing doesn't just let me go ahead and and uh, and log in. It wants me to do all kinds of weird, a bunch of weird <laughs> stuff. So yeah, you, it always so asks me to log in, but if I hit the back button, it goes right to it. Uh, Sawalich okay, actually so. led 202 of the races, 205 laps. He was forced to okay, settle for is. second. Yeah. Okay. And Sawalich maintains the Arkham Menard Series East Championship points lead with an unofficial five-point advantage over Fenhouse, who moves into second with his victory. You can start with Sean Hingarani. Okay, then from there, then, uh, Sean Hingarani notched his best career Arca Series East finished in third. Hingarani, a two-time Arca Menard Series West winner so far in 2023, also led one lap on the ninth, the first time he's led a lap in the East Series. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, there was a little bit of a hype that uh, Giovanni Ruggiero was making his Arca Menard Series East debut on short notice. He got an early call in the week uh, to substitute for Isabella Robusto, who was recovering from injuries that she sustained in a late model crash earlier in the season. Rogerio made uh, the most of his opportunity uh, and uh, finished fourth after running as high as second in the middle stages of the race. So uh, good news for Giovanni Ruggiero, and uh, we wish Isabella Robusto a very uh, speedy recovery for her injuries. And then from there, then we go to Jake Finch, finished fifth after electrical problems in practice, and qualifying forced him to start at their tail end of the start at the start at the end of the field at the start. Also, LeVar Scott finished. It's the first time in his Arkham Menard Series East career that he's finished outside the top five. He's been having a really good season so far. Yeah, he has. And then Zachary Tinkle finished seventh, his third straight top ten finish in the in the in the Arkham Menard Series East. Yeah, he's having a good year too. Tanner Arms matched his best career Arkham Menard Series East finish uh, by coming in eighth. And then followed by that was Tim Monroe scored his first career Arkham Menard East top ten finish, finishing ninth on the night. And Dale Shearer rounds out the top ten, his first career Arkham Menard Series top ten finish. So it sounds like it was a really good night for a lot of different drivers. Yeah, it was um, a lot of firsts for, you know, a lot of them. Um, and then from there, then we go to Fenhouse Leeds, the Arco and Arch Series East drivers with a 2.0 average finish. Solich is next at 2.33 and Finch is third at 3.0. Wow. Jake Finch is having a really good season. Um, congratulations to Jake Finch. He puts in a yeah. – he races everything. He races everything. He's young. Really great kid. If you ever get a chance to meet him at the track, everybody knows his dad. Um James Finch, who owns Phoenix, James he used to own the uh, Cup team, but now he he uh, does all the stuff for his son. But um, this kid really puts in his work. Yeah, James Finch was the owner of Phoenix Racing. For those of you that remember that team, okay, Fenhouse, Sawalich, and Finch are the only three drivers to have completed 100 percent 
of the possible 532 laps uh, so far this season. So that's uh, pretty cool that those three drivers are really having a great season. Yeah, to finish that to finish all the laps, it's it's tough. That means that they didn't never win the lap down, haven't had a wreck or or that's a, and so far that's that's a that's a really good uh, stat to have. Um, the next it race for the Arkwinard series, the next race for the Arkwinard series East is at the Dutch Boy 150 at Flat Rock Speedway, set for Saturday night, May 20th. The race will be streamlined live on Flow Racing starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Billy Venturini is getting back behind the wheel of a uh, Arkham Menard Series uh, car. He's going to be driving at Flat Rock Speedway. And uh, we, uh, we're lucky enough to get him on our show for uh, this Thursday night at 9 o'clock. So uh, pretty excited uh, to know that Billy Venturini is going to be driving out at Flat Rock Speedway. Oh, yeah, that's got to be exciting, you know, see him, you know, get back behind the wheel. I've seen some uh, couple of press releases, you know, about him, you know, getting back behind the wheel. So uh, for yep, all those Venturini be... fans, you know, it would be neat yeah, to see him get back into a race behind car the wheel. For the first time. In 17 years, Sal, uh, he'll be in that wow. number 20 JBL Toyota Camry, and he's crossing off one of his lifelong bucket list items to race at Flat Rock Speedway. So uh, this was uh, too much to uh, turn down for Billy Venturini, I think. Oh, yeah, it has to be. I mean, you know what, it's uh... – you know, it's his chance to get back behind the wheel again and, you know, have some fun. I mean, we've, we've been seeing it, um, you know, throughout the past few years, you know, a lot of the old-time old drivers, you know, getting back behind the wheel and, um, you know, these uh, models of supermates, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, having some fun and showing these kids what it's all about. Yeah. So my, uh, watching my, him get... My notes are stopped right there. Okay, let me, yeah, let me um, just make an apology real quick. I'm actually down in Texas. Uh, I can hear some dogs barking outside. I don't know if you guys can, but we've got three dogs in the house. And usually when one dog starts, they all start. But uh, uh, I apologize ahead of time in case that happens. Okay. Um Let's uh, let's go to the points for the Arkham Menard Series East, Sal. So, okay, the points for the Arkham Menard cut... Series East yep. is, um, let me see, we've got William Solich, who's leading the points. Uh, six points behind him is uh, Luke Fenhouse. Eight points behind Solich is Jake Finch. Um, and then we've got LeVar Scott in fourth. In fifth place is Sean Hingarani. Uh, sixth place is Zachary Tinko. Seventh place is Tim Monroe. Eighth place is Del Sharar. Ninth is Rita Rita Gallette. And tenth is Tanner Arms. So far, they yeah. ran three races, and uh, that's how the points shake out so far after the first uh, 
three uh, Arkham so, and Art uh, East races. Yes, yes. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, also, uh, there's uh, some nice articles over at ArcaRacing.com. Uh, it says Arca routes are prevalent for many new additions to NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers list. So many of those drivers got their start, uh, you know, racing, or at some point in their career, they raced in the Arkham Menard series or the East or the West. So it's really cool to see them having that kind of success. And then you can watch the mini winning moment that Luke Fenhouse uh, made that winning pass in the Music City 200. Um, and... Uh, William Savalich uh, talks about his devastating second-place finish at Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, nobody likes to be second. They all want to be first, right, Jay? Sal? You were right. I did it. Yeah. See, I told you I'm <laughs> going gonna, gonna to start keeping track. I know. I'm going to have to bite my tongue when I feel that coming on. Okay. Um Let's go ahead and talk about, uh, we talked about the next race for the ARCA East. They're going to be racing out at Black Rock Speedway. The next race for the ARCA Menard Series is May 26th, the following weekend. That will be 6 p.m. Eastern time out at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And that will be on Fox Sports 1, the General Tire 150. So uh, you'll be able to watch that uh, right there on Fox Sports 1. That's always a big stage for the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, and then the Arca West Sal, their next race is going to be out in Portland, uh, International Raceway, uh, the Portland 112 on June 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that will be, be available via live streaming at Flow Racing. So uh, some great racing coming up here in the Arkham and Art Series. Yeah, it's, it, it will be um, uh I know I'm still decided if I'm going to do Portland or not, and still wondering what's going on with the. I'll guess I'll find out more on Saturday about about uh, Sonoma coming up too next month. Yes. Yeah. Wow! Isn't that amazing? Um, so we're going to hit that road course stretch again. It is. Yeah, they're coming up it fast. Is. I can't believe we're in the middle of uh, May already. So. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and move on, Sal. We've got uh, a little bit of audio here from NASCAR, uh, and this is actually uh, from Darlington Raceway. It was William Byron, not William Byron, it was um, Kyle Larson who raced in the Arkham, in the um, NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday, and he won that race. So we've got the uh, media interview. It's only a ten, just 10 seconds over 10 minutes. And I'm going to play the whole uh, interview, and then you and I can comment on it afterwards, okay? Okay, here we go. Joined by Kyle Larson, driver of the number 10 college racing Chevrolet, the winner of today's NASCAR Xfinity race here at Darlington Raceway. If you have a question for Kyle, please raise your hand. We will get a wireless microphone to you. We'll start up front with Mike. So, 
you got to stop with these last lap things, man. They're getting crazy. Did you, did you feel like you were going to lose control at any time on the last lap of my car? Uh, I did. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I uh, just kind of playing out the last five or so laps. You know, I was afraid because you know, the first few he was getting away from me in three and four, and I thought that I wasn't ever going to be close enough. Um, and wanted to to uh, to be able to do what I did, get him loose and get inside of him. Um, but the, you know, the last three or four laps, he started getting really loose off of four, which so was I. But the line that I was running, I could kind of make my straightaway a little bit longer and, and just exit with a little bit more momentum to where I could kind of just maintain down the front stretch, and then I could close on him one and two, and then just kind of inch towards him the last couple laps and was able to be close enough Um to set up for one and two and um, do, you know, a higher entry into one and, and get my angle just right to where I could throttle up and get to his back bumper there and get him loose and get inside of him. And um, we then we just ran really tight to each other into three and uh, we just barely touched into three and then kind of got us both out of shape and, and uh, got me clear in front of him. And, um, you know, my, he like, I touched him and then he got in behind me and it kind of turned my car pointed me this way, so I'm sliding and hit the wall, and um, then was just trying to get my, I didn't want a wall ride or nothing like that, because I didn't want to, you know, get a penalty or anything, so, you know, we, we hit the wall, and I came off of it, and I'm just watching in my little mirror, uh, you know, seeing where he's at, and um, trying to chase away from him a little bit, and keep my foot in it, and uh, you hit the wall there, late exit, and um, about the same point when he was getting to me, so... Uh, just a, a wild, crazy finish, and, and hopefully you know, the fans all enjoyed it. The replay didn't show everything. Did you hit the wall pretty hard there coming out of four? Yeah, yeah. I hit the, I hit the wall late, um, basically the straightaway off of four, um, just because my car had damage from the time when I, I hit the wall a ton in the center. Then I'm just tugging on the – once I get off the wall, I'm just tugging on the wheel as hard as I can and trying to feed enough throttle where I don't hit the wall too early. Um, and, yeah, just uh, – like I said, my, my car was – something was bent or broke because I was plowing on exit of, of four and uh, hit the wall there late. Kyle, uh, after you got assessed that uh, speeding penalty, you dropped back to 30th, how did you stay so calm and told everybody, hey, you know, it's not a big deal, we'll get, we'll get through this? How did you know that you'd be able to kind of make this comeback? I figured there'd be a caution um, at some point, and we would be able to put on fresh tires again. So um, I knew that I was going to be able to pass some cars. We were able to get to six, which was better than I thought I was going to be. And, you know, then we got a spot on pit road. Um, was able to get a car on the restart, get to fourth. Then we had that, that final restart, and, and I was hoping those guys were you – know, I knew John Hunter was going to choose the bottom. I was hoping those two in front of me were going to choose the top, and uh, they did, and in the bottom lane launched really well and was able to come clear the second and then, you know, race him to the win. So had one of those guys chose the bottom behind him and I would have lined up outside second row, I think it would have been a different, a different result for me. So um, things just worked out there late, but we had a great car, too, to be able to, to drive to the front. Um, that was a lot of fun. You know, I could kind of run wherever I wanted to and, and – not even really lose much lap time passing people. So, great car. Thanks to Caller Racing for the opportunity to race for them. It's been a lot of fun. 
Um, he raced for them th- these last two days, and um, hopefully I'll get the opportunity in the future to, uh, to race some more. Kyle, oh, Scott Chance, Wittafarn. Uh, in light of some drivers in recent years having won the Xfinity race here on Saturday, Dick. Oops. I don't know what happened there. Okay. Well, we lost the uh, feed here, so uh, I have to re-sign in to everything. Uh, Sal, what are your comments uh, with that uh, interview so far? Sal, are you still there? Oh, boy. Yeah, here I am. I was on mute. Okay. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts about so far? Yeah, it was a good – so far it was a good interview. You know what? It was an exciting race for Kyle, you know, to get the win. And, you know, it was a, it was a battle. That's one thing for sure, you know. And uh, um, Yeah. Well, well-deserved win, especially at Darlington. Yes, Darlington is always uh, one of those tracks that's really hard to win at, uh, and uh, this was no exception for sure. Um, I apologize. I have to re-sign into everything. My computer, everything just went down, so I have to reset myself up. So give me a couple minutes to do that, Sal. Um, the throwback uh, seats were Were you really able nice. to watch that race at all? Yeah, you know what? I, I watched it before I, gosh, I forget what I, what, where I was. I think we headed out. We headed out to the fair, and I watched it before I left. But um, it was, uh, the throwbacks were, were pretty neat. It was kind of hard you know, it took like a while, you know, until you finally realize what, which car was which, you know, because how they did the throwback schemes on them. But the throwback schemes were really, were really, um, they did a heck of a job on them. You know, even, even the trucks, you know, um, but that, but that last, uh, that last set of pit stops, you know, I kind of, I was kind of pulling for, for Cole, uh, okay, well, in the Xfinity series, right? Yeah, the Xfinity. Okay, I'm back up here. Let me see if I can uh, try to get this at about the same place. All right, we are now joining. Gonna... And they were still really good in practice, so. Okay, I've got Kyle back here. My opinion is probably okay. going to be um, he's, he's really good here, especially in three and four. Um, he can run the wall better than anybody here by far. So I think he'll be he'll be going to beat, but I think we definitely have a, a good enough car to, to compete. Just got to execute a little bit better than I did today and um, not not make it so hard on myself. Chris Fox Force, uh, Sean Hunter just said it was just hard, good, hard racing. I'm curious if you felt it was that way, and he said he hadn't raced you a whole lot, you know, that type of situation. So I'm curious if you had any question of how he was going to race there at the end. Yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was hard racing um, for sure. I was uh, I actually kind of I didn't have a big enough run down the back stretch uh, by him. We were kind of just equal with each other down the down the length of the back stretch, and I was nervous of what was going to happen in the three because these cars get really loose when somebody's on your outside. So um, I was just trying to. to 
to stay tight tense. I could like arc and, and drive in as, as far as I could. And uh, right at the end of the straightaway, um, we kind of touched and it, and it got both of us out of shape and got him just tucked behind me. So then from there, I mean, we're just doing all we can to both come out the winner. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. He did a really good job getting by me. At the, end, at the end of the second stage, I was struggling and uh, kind of played out, was playing out similar, um, but three and four, just, uh, it was it was crazy. So I was, I was planning on, you're trying to basically do what, what he did to me was you slide me and, um, you know, he was going to cross me over and, and we were going to drag race the finish line, but uh, we touched right at the end of the backstretch there and it kind of messed both of our momentum up and angles and, and our cars were just a handful of that little section of entry of three and then then we were hitting and hit the wall and um got crazy i i know it's split second but you know you hit the wall bounce off it and into him are you thinking i'm i'm gonna win this race or are you thinking oh i'm crashed here coming to the finish line well I hit the wall so hard in the center of three and four at a bad angle, too. You know, I plugged it with the right front, not really. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, obviously I hit pretty flat, but I hit more. I led into the wall with the right front. So um, I was hoping I wasn't going to be broke. Um, and and thankfully it, it bounced off the wall and pointed me down. So I, I did not want to wall look like I was wall riding. You know, a lot of times. You know, when your car is broke, you're just pinned against the wall. So I was hoping whenever I did hit the wall, my car wasn't going to be broke to where I was stuck to wall riding. Um, so, yeah, thankfully it kind of bounced off and pointed me towards the middle of the racetrack. And then, um, like I said earlier, I was just, I was, something was bent because I was plowing tight and watching my mirror and trying to get away from him because I knew, I didn't know if he was upset with me or, or anything like that. She was just trying to get away from him. And um, then, yeah, I hit the wall, and, and he got to my door like the same exact time, and it kind of shot him and wrecked him. So, um, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that he ended up crash. He or I guess he got stiff. Um, so that's good. But uh, just, yeah, I mean, wild. I mean, I don't really know. Like, I haven't really seen much. So um, it's crazy. Yeah, really so too. Press Kyle, I know there's a bigger prize out there tomorrow and more work to be done. But how does it feel here on the 75th NASCAR anniversary when you're one of the 75 greatest drivers to come away with a win at Darlington? Yeah, it's uh, this is a, a such a special weekend. Um, every time you get to come to Darlington, it's special. But you know, throwback weekend, 75th you know, season. Um, I think you know, we have, like, a brunch tomorrow with all of us. So that's going to be really fun, you know, get to see legends and Hall of Famers and, and everybody, you know, who's still alive that's on the 75 list. So um, I really look forward to that. I think it's going to be a, a special, you know, a special kind of thing and, and morning for me, one that I'll probably never forget, you know, getting to be surrounded by so many great race car drivers. So I look forward to that. And then um, – you're great to get a win today, and, and hopefully we can cap it off with a win tomorrow, too. So um, just love this place and, and love racing in the daylight, too. I, I really, really enjoy this track when the sun's you know, beaming down on it. All right. Uh, that completes the interview. Uh, that was a big 
uh, deal. Like, it, you know, both Kyle Larson and John Hunter Nemechek uh, just felt like it was one of those racing deals, uh, and nobody was upset with anybody. Uh, so that was kind of refreshing to see, so. Yeah, yeah, I know, because I thought, I thought Nemechek was going to get out of the car and want to fight him because when he, when he pitched him up against the, and put him up against the wall, he went after him and, 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 and clipped him in the back a little bit. And, and then he, he went back and hit him again. And then, and then when he got to the inside of him, I thought there was no way. The only thing Nemechek could do was, was pin him against the wall. But then Kyle, I, I don't know, the momentum, whatever he had, but coming off that turn when he bounced off the wall, he had nowhere to go but to bounce into Nemechek. Nemechek was there. If Nemechek wouldn't have been there, who knows, Kyle might have bounced off the wall, might have spun, and Nemechek would have won the race. It, it's hard to say. But, um, you know, Kyle bounced, you know, hit that wall in a, in a weird spot, you know, right in the turn, <coughs> you know, and, and hit Nemechek, you know what, and, and, and knocked him, you know, knocked him down, you know, knocked him into, you know, into the bottom wall and, you know, end up getting the win. But it was, it was, that's one thing with this. I, I didn't think he was ever going to catch him. First of all, I thought there was no way yeah, he was going to catch him. Yeah, I mean, it was, he was, he was just, pretty amazing. It like, um, yeah, Nemechek was, was, was way out there. He was way out there. But you know what? It, it, it was a fun race to watch you know, when it was all said and done. And I also like that they talked about the 75 uh, NASCAR's greatest drivers uh, because they've added 25 drivers to that list. Um, And on the 75th anniversary of NASCAR, what are your thoughts about the uh, NASCAR 75 top drivers? You know, it was was pretty neat to see, you know, you know, I like the way, you know, they talked about them, you know, they brought them out, you know what, and, um, you know, there's, you know, of course, you know, there, you know, we already know who, who, who most, who most of them are going to be, you know, of course, you know, there's probably a couple of surprises in there, you know, kind of early still, but it, it was like, uh, one of the announcers said, you know what, we got 75 more years to add 75 more drivers, you know, <laughs> so, right. you know, so don't, you know, so don't, if your favorite driver who's driving now isn't there, don't think that maybe in the next 75 years, he might be there, you know. Um, you know, they just had to go, you know, by what they had, you know, you know, by what they have, you know, this first 75. And, and you know, you can almost pick the 75 that were going to be there. So, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a pretty neat thing. And then, you know, after the race on Sunday, you know, they had the, what's the top 25 or the top, 15 or something like that, you know, races and stuff like that, you know, all the way down to the number one, which was the, um, which is the Kelly Arborough fight, you know, the first time that NASCAR had ever been <laughs> televised on TV, you know, Richard Petty yeah. wins and there's a fight, you know, I thought yeah. that was pretty Big cool, fight. you know, then of course, yeah, then the third one was Dale Hart Sr., you know, winning the, his first, um, you know, his first um, Daytona 500, which I thought that was pretty cool, you know, the way they did that. So, yeah. you know, so, I mean, you know what? I think lead, NASCAR's done a race, lot of fun things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're they're trying to chase some things up, you know what? And, and you know, I think, you know, so far, you know, they've hit it, hit it pretty good. They really have. They really, really have. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to our Truck Series review of the race there at Darlington. 
Um, the winner, Christian Eckes, who also has a win at Atlanta this season, uh, was the winner of the Buckle Up South Carolina 200 at the age of 22, driving the number 19 Gates Hydraulic Chevrolet for Bill McAnally and Kilgerman Racing. His crew chief is uh, Charles Denike, and uh, it was his third victory in 77 Craftsman Truck Series races, his second victory and fourth top ten finish this year, and his first victory in his second top ten finish in three races at Darlington. Stuart Friesen posted a second-place finish, his third top ten finish in five races at Darlington, and his third top ten finish this season. Tanner Gray finished in third. That's his first top ten finish in five races at Darlington. And Roger Carruth finished sixth. He was the highest-finishing rookie of the race. Uh, next, we're going to kind of recap this, this race, the Buckle Up South Carolina 200. And uh, after five weeks of frustration, Kristen Eckes finally got the rebound he needed on Friday night out at Darlington Raceway. Uh, he led a race high, 82 of 152 laps. He scored a convincing two-overtime victory in the Buckle Up South Carolina 200. It's the ninth event for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series schedule. Uh, again, it was, the win was his second of the season, the first at Darlington, and his third of his Truck Series career. Stuart Friesen, again, uh, following that first overtime restart, he was using the high lane to try to gain advantage on Eckes, uh, when another caution flag waved for the last week's winner, Grant Infinger, as he took the white flag, ending his bid. Um, Tanner Gray, William Byron, Carson Hosefar round out the top five. We mentioned Raja Caruth uh, getting a career best finish in sixth place as a rookie. Then it was um, uh, Bubba Wallace, the pole sitter, Corey Heim, Dean Thompson, Caden Honeycutt were the remainder of the top ten. Christian Eckes won the first stage. It was William Byron winning the second stage and the former series champion's first stage win on the truck series. There were 10 lead changes among five drivers and eight cautions for 37 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 105.539 miles per hour. Sal, your thoughts about our top 10 here? Yeah, it was a, it was a good win for Christian Eckes. You know what? It was it was a tough win. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, it's kind of neat because I got to talk to Bill McAnally, um over at Kern a couple weeks ago when the ARCA race was over there, because the trucks were off that weekend. So Bill was able to to be with the you know with uh you know with this with his ARCA team. You know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about about the team. You know how it's come together, how things are working out. You know and you know, how neat is how Christian, you know, and then of course, you know, we talked about Jake Garcia, but um, it was neat to talk mm-hmm. to him about that, you know, then, you know, then see them come back, you know, the first race back after the little break they got, you know, and get the win. Um, you know, it was uh, like, it was a hard fought win and uh, nothing comes easy at Darnington and, um, you know, uh, it's kind of going to be interesting to see what happens with Bill McAnally racing next year with the West, if they even have a West series team or not. Because it sounds like they're focusing, like they're putting all their eggs in the 
in the, in the in truck, the truck series hat now. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. I didn't really ask him too much about it. I kind of fished around, you know, and, and, you know, he just, you know, didn't want to give a straight up answer. I never asked him a straight up question, but, um, mm-hmm. I kind of just from, just from the little hint that I got off of, you know, it, it's, you know, um, you know, it seems like, you know, they're, they're looking at, at the, uh, of the truck series, he's got himself with two good drivers, you know, Christian yeah. Eckes and uh, and Jake Garcia. You know, Jake Garcia had his issues, he had his problems, you know. But um, other than that, you know, Roger Carruth, you know, the, the rookie, you know, finishing sixth was big, you know, especially for uh, you know, for a track like that, you know, the, the Tanner Tanner Gray, you know, getting the um, you know, picking up the third spot, of course, Stuart Friesen. You know, getting in there and getting the, the second spot, and uh, you know, it was, uh, like I said, the hard thing was was keeping track of the trucks because once again, they they did the uh, they also did the throwback. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they, and, and all three series did a bit of the throwback. Yeah. So, Brian, yeah, and it was, there were um, there were a hundred. No, I'm sorry, there were 23 cars on the lead lap end of the race uh and uh let's see what is it three cars here that finished a lap down uh another three cars that finished two laps down uh there's one car here that finished a lap down and i mean um i'm sorry that would be three laps down and then uh lawless allen he finished quite a few laps he had an accident that took him out on lap 126. Uh, Ty Majeski was still running on lap 123, but he finished multiple laps down. Uh, out on an accident was Chase Purdy. Uh, that ended up with a 32nd place finish. Uh, Spencer Boyd had a fuel pump issue that took him out of the race on lap 78. Parker Kligerman had an oil leak that took him out on lap 48. Dawson Cram had mechanical issues, taking him out on lap 36. And Brennan Poole had an engine issue that took him out of the race on lap 20. Again, this race did end under caution, uh, but uh, I, I thought they they did a, they put on a pretty good race on Friday night. Yeah, they did. I mean, it was a good race. I, I was able to sit home and, and watch it and and enjoy it as I was take care of some uh some things for work and stuff like that so um like i said it was good to see you know bill McAnally racing you know getting those wins and you know mm-hmm. making a you know making a name for themselves not only you know he's he's done so well in the with the west series you know that now you know he's moved to the trucks you know and you know he's had this, those three or what three seasons with Derek Krause, you know where they never were able to produce you know and now that uh you know, now that, you know, he's got himself a couple of good drivers, you know, under his belt, you know, on a, on a, a lot more solid program, you know, the, um, the results that have, uh, you know, are really uh, yeah. starting to show. Yes, indeed. Let's go ahead and cover the points report. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek may not have won the race, but so far he's uh, winning on other fronts. Yeah, he is. Um, let me see our driver points so far. Um, 
Oh, oh, here we go. Or Zane Smith leading the points. Uh, Ty Majewski in second. Corey Hyman third. Um, ben Rhodes in fourth. Uh, Christian Eckes is in fifth with, uh, with two race wins and 14 playoff points. Uh, Grand Enfinger in sixth. Matt Crafton in seventh. Tanner Gray in eighth. Nick Sanchez, the highest rookie so far right now, sitting in ninth. And uh, Stuart Friesen is sitting in 10th with uh, Matt uh, uh, Benedetto is right behind him. Only uh, looks like 14 points, 14 points behind him. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Uh, and let me correct myself here. I was looking at the Xfinity Series page when I said after 11 races in the Truck Series, uh, they've only had nine races so far this season. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because, as you pointed out, at that cut line, uh, it's it's kind of tight there. Uh, you've got Stuart Friesen sitting at 227 points, Matt DiBenedetto right behind him at that 213, and uh, just 11 points behind is Carson Hosevar, and then, what is it, five points, Jake Garcia, another rookie. So I think we might still see some changes uh, on that cut line before it's all said and done. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we will. I mean, you know, uh... I mean, Carson Olfar, Carson Hosfar has that one win, so I mean he's he's up in the top ten, so that'll push um, that'll push uh, Stewart Friesen out and Nick Sanchez out technically on the bubble right now. Um, you know, and then depending you know how the, how the rest of the points start to shake out, you know, as the season you know progresses with the wins and 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 points and stuff like that. That's right. Well, the trucks are going to be back in action this next weekend uh, out at Wilkes, North Wilkesboro Speedway. The Tyson 250 uh, will take place Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time and will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to. Kyle Larson is actually going to be driving for Spire Motorsports in that truck race at North Wilkesboro. So if you're looking at uh, an early pick for your fantasy uh, group, Kyle Larson uh, might be one to think about for North Wilkesboro in the truck series. Yeah, there's uh, <clears throat> you're starting to see a lot more of the drivers start to take advantage of, the, you know, lower series more than what they have in the years past before it's just it seemed like just Kyle Bush. But um uh, North Worksboro hasn't run in gosh, how long has a track been closed for? It's been closed for a while. I mean not not for decades, but it's been closed for a while now and you know that's why you know you got the drivers, you know, racing the you know, the AFA series, you know, on Tuesdays, you got them racing the lane models mm-hmm. on Wednesday. You know, to try and get some yep practice, you know, for the, uh, for the all-star race. Absolutely. Okay. We, we heard that I'm going to go ahead and move on here. So, uh, we heard from, uh, Kyle Larson after he won that Xfinity series race at, um, at Darlington Raceway this weekend, the Shriners children's 
200. Uh, Kyle Larson is 30 now. That's kind of hard to believe. Uh, and he was driving the HendrixCars.com Chevrolet, the number 10 for college racing. Alex Yance was his uh, crew chief this weekend. It was his 14th victory in 112 Xfinity Series races, his first victory and first top 10 finish this year in this series, and his first victory in six top 10 finish in six races at Darlington Raceway in the Xfinity Series. Justin Algauer finished second for his 12th top 10 finish in 16 races at Darlington and his seventh top 10 finish this year. Uh, the guy you were pulling for, Cole Custer, came in third, posting his fourth top 10 finish in four races at Darlington. Sammy Smith, who finished 11th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So uh, that was cool to see as well. Um, this race, uh, Kyle Larson won the Xfinity Series race in a thrilling last lap battle. And they're fitting into a true Darlington slugfest. Kyle Larson won Saturday's uh, Shriners Children's 200 after bouncing off the wall at the turn four exit and knocking John Hunter Nemechek into the inside safer barrier 100 yards short of the finish line. It was an epic last lap battle between uh, the number 10 with Kyle Larson behind the wheel and uh, he bumped and banged with uh, the number 20 of John Hunter Nemechek, uh, resulting in Nemechek spinning off that turn for a wall and, and hitting the inside part of the wall. Justin Algauer finished second, equaling his best result of the season. Cole Custer pitted on a late caution and was able to drive to third. Austin Hill, John Hunter Nemechek led a race-high 57 laps round out the top five. Inspire Motorsports Series debut, Carson Hosevar placed sixth. Then it was Josh Berry, Sam Mayer, Kaz Grala, and Corey Heim completing the top ten. Larson won the first stage while he lost the second stage in a photo finish to John Hunter Nemechek, his fifth stage victory of the season. There were 18 lead changes among nine drivers and 10 cautions for 51 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 91.924 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top 10 drivers here, Phil? Yeah, once again, you know, like you know, like you said, you know, the you know Kyle Larson and you know, of course, going to go down to Kyle Larson, John Nemechek. John Hunter and Nemechek, you know, their finish, um, you know, uh, you know, that it was a, it was a, it was a, I'm sure it was a fun race for everybody involved. You know, Cole Custer, actually Justin Algar was high finishing regular Xfinity driver. I thought it was going to be Cole, but actually with yeah. Justin Algar finishing second, and it was Cole Custer behind him. Um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of beating and banging and, a lot of old style driving, you know what? Um, you know, it was an old uh, um, Darlington, you know, is what you expect, you know, expect from the, uh, you know, from the race itself. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you expect at Darlington. Uh, 20, 
26 drivers finished on the lead lap at the end of the race. Another uh, four drivers finished a lap down, uh, finishing multiple laps down um, with Sage Karam uh, ending. He only got 144 of the 147 laps in. Uh, Then Joe Graff Jr. had an accident that took him out of the race on lap 40. Uh, also caught up in an accident. Ryan Ellis ended his day on lap 74. Brandon Jones, another accident, uh, along with Ryan Truex, they ended their day on lap 68. Chandler Smith uh, was out in lap 67 due to an accident. Blaine Perkins actually had a suspension issue. I feel so bad for Blaine. Uh, he's having a rough start to his Xfinity career. But I'm, I'm sure he's going to bounce uh, back. Uh, Riley Earps also felt bad for him. He had an accident that took him out of the race on lap 29. Uh, not what he was expecting. No, it wasn't. He had a really nice car too. Uh, you know, they did the throwback for uh, you know for Ken Block who passed away earlier this year. Mm-hmm. You know, he used to do the Gymkhana. You know, his uh, drove the iconic number 43. That was also uh, sponsored by Monster Energy, you know, and they had yeah. the the crew had the shirts, and you know, Riley had you know the shirts matched the wrap, and you know they you know uh, uh, Stuart Haas Racing really went all out, you know, and Riley Herbst, you know, to you know to uh, you know to honor Ken Block, you know, that to go out that early, you know, and not have a chance, you know, to win, you know, it's kind of kind of heartbreaking, yeah. you know. You know, especially, you know, for Riley the, uh, talked about how he used to watch him on TV racing all the time. He grew up watching him, he said. Yeah, he was, uh, like I said, you know, he was he was a fellow Monster Energy, uh, you know, team member. And um, actually, Ken Block was, used to own the, he was when it started um, uh, uh, DC Tennis Shoes. The oh, DC oh, Tennis okay. Shoe Company also. But, yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard what Riley was talking about, you know watching him as a kid and, you know, as if, you know, it's fitting, you know, to, you know, if he's going to throw back, to do a throwback, you know, to, you know, do a throwback, you know, on, on Ken, uh, on Ken Block from, he always had some wild paint schemes. I'll tell you that I used to do a lot of, when he was running the global rally cross some years back, um, I used to do a lot of photos for, for, uh, Colin, um, oh, what was his name? Colin, uh, Colin Dine and Joy Mancari used to run the series. And um, mm-hmm. Ken Block was ready to get it. Brian Deegan, uh, Travis Pastrana, um, Scott Speed. Mm-hmm. Scott Speed won a lot of races, won a few championships in the, in the uh, Global Rallycross. Um, mm-hmm. Tanner Faust. Tanner Faust was part mm-hmm. of it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was neat, you know, to uh, – you know, just you know, to see you know Kevin Block come out, you know, with his wild paint schemes and you know his craziness driving. But um, you know, like I said, he lost his life in a snowmobile accident earlier in the year in Utah, and uh, yeah. you know it hit uh, it hit that that part of the racing industry pretty hard. Yeah, Sal, you want to go ahead and hit the uh, points report here for the Xfinity Series? I started to do it a little bit early there, but uh, you can get it because I, what I said is John Hunter Nemechek uh, didn't win the race, but he won in other ways. 
Okay, so driver mm-hmm. points are uh, we got John Hunter Nemechek leading the points with uh, two race wins, 14 playoff points. Second is Austin Hill uh, with three race wins and 18 playoff points. Third is Justin Allgaier, which hasn't had a race win yet. Fourth is Josh Berry, who we didn't really hear too much from this past weekend. Fifth is Cole Custer, who's slowly climbing up the climbing up the chain again, still looking for his first race win. And then uh, rounding out the top six is Chandler Smith, who already has his race win and uh, got six playoff points. And then from there, then we go to seventh on the list is uh, Sheldon Creed. Um, without any race wins. Um, next is Sammy Smith, who also has a race win. Ninth is Riley Herps. Uh, tenth is Sam Mayer. Eleventh is Daniel Hamrick. And rounding out the top 12 is uh, Parker Klingerman with Jeb Burton behind him. So technically, Jeb Burton is in and Parker Klingerman is out. And now put Daniel Hamrick on the, uh, on the, on the bubble. Well, Daniel Hamrick is in the 11th place, but yeah, it yeah. displaces oh, no, no. Parker Kligerman. Plus, we have Ryan Truex who has a win, so te- technically well, you're knocking Part-time uh, driver, though. Yeah. He yeah, he's a yeah, he's a part-time driver. So, but I mean, with but uh, Jeff Burns a full-time driver, so yeah, that that put up. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Hamrick on the Daniel Hamrick on the pole, on the twelve drivers. So the, Jeff Burton um, is on top of the line. Brandon Jones and Parker Kligerman are below the line. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of close there though because Jeb Burton has 273 points to Parker Kligerman's 274, uh, but he does have that race win. Uh, then it jumps down to Brandon Jones at 264, and then 20 points back is Ryan Sieg in 15th at 244. So this was not quite as tight as the other series, uh, but. Uh, I do think we are going to see some changes before it's all said and done. Oh yeah, I'm sure we will. I mean, it, it's uh, it's um, it's uh, um, inevitable. You know, we're still early in the season. You know, you know, drivers are still getting their, um, you know, still getting, uh, you know, settled in and. Uh, you know, sure, we're only 11, 11 races in, you know, but we still got a lot, like, you know, we still have a lot of racing left, so it's going to be, um, it's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be you know, fun so to watch. Strong. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be strong when we get to the end, too. Now, uh, the Xfinity Series will be racing the Alco Uniform 300 on Saturday, May 27th, so they will not be at North Wilkesboro this weekend. Uh, but uh, there is uh, congratulations that she go out to Chandler and Kenzie Smith. Uh, Friday night, he and his wife, Kenzie, uh, are expecting their second child in November. So uh, Smith's son, uh, Chandler Smith Jr., was born last August. So 
they announced that uh, Kinsey's going to have their second child in November. So congrats to the couple. Wow, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's what, is that their first or second? They've got one already, Chandler Smith Jr. Yeah. And he's not quite a year old yet, but uh, they've got another one in the oven. Wow. They're not messing around. <laughs> Tell you that. That's true. <laughs> you know, why, why, why true. Get him, if you're going to get him, why still get him out of the way early? Yeah. Why yeah. not? Okay. This way you get all tied up and, and you're good you're good to go. You can you know at least have some of your older older years, you know, to enjoy each other. Yeah. That's right. Uh Jeff, there's a nice article by Dustin Albino uh Albino over at J Skis and he talks about how Jeff Burton feels revitalized in his first year with Jordan Anderson Racing. This was a real good, feel-good story for a small race team and a driver that's worked as hard as Jeb Burton has uh, to finally get that win a few weeks ago uh, and qualify for the playoffs this year with Jordan Anderson Racing. That's That was one of the feel-good stories, I think. Yeah, you know, I was wondering what happened to Joe Graff Jr. You know, he started off, you know, a bat out of hell and and I guess somebody clipped his wing because now he's crashing and burning yeah, that's had to see <laughs> but I um, know when he beginning the season I was like man look look at Joe Graff he's he's off and running man he's, he's coming gonna make up the, he's gonna make the yeah he's, he's uh he's gonna make the playoffs this year and uh Man, if it feels for a bad luck guy, that guy would have no luck. Yeah, I feel like Blaine Perkins is having the same issues this year. I, I kind of thought. Uh, I know this is his first season in the Xfinity Series, um, but hopefully no, things will turn around as he gets yeah. gets uh, more acclimated. He's raced Xfinity I, before. Oh, okay. But I think he's had yeah, he's, select races. This is the first year he's he's racing the full season. So anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and move on now to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. They raced on Sunday, Mother's Day, and uh, the Goodyear 400 race winner was William Byron at the age of 25. Right place at the right time in the number 24. Exalta throwback Chevrolet for team owner Rick Hendrick and crew chief Rudy Fugo. His seventh victory in 193 Cup Series races, his third victory in seventh top ten finish this year, and his first victory in fourth top ten finish in ten races at Darlington Raceway. Kevin Harvick posted a second-place finish, uh, his ninth. Top 10 finish in 31 races at Darlington Raceway. It's also his sixth top 10 finish this year. Chase Elliott in third posted his sixth top 10 finish in 13 races at Darlington. And Ty Gibbs, who finished 16th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, And this win actually marks the 100th win 
for the number 24 car uh, this weekend. So that was cool to see as well. And um, let's uh, go with the uh, recap of the Goodyear 400. Uh, William Byron took full advantage of a late on-track incident between Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson to triumph in Sunday's Goodyear 400 at Darlington. He becomes the first three-time winner in the Cup Series this season. And for Byron, the victory was sweet redemption. Uh, If you remember last season's spring race at the Lady in Black, where Joey Joey Logano's bump and run denied Byron his first victory at the fabled Speedway. So, uh, again, the win was his third win of the year and the first at Darlington and his seventh career win overall. Harvick was followed by Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, Harrison Burton with a nice finish, uh, Kyle Busch, Justin Haley, Ryan Blaney and Chris Busher round out the top 10. Ryan, actually Martin Truex Jr. had a really eventful day. He took the pole, dominated the first stage, and was in second place on the final lap of the second stage when he spun out after contact with Ross Chastain. He worked his way back to fourth place with 13 laps to go before being caught up in an accident. Uh, and he ultimately ended up finishing 31st. Byron took the lead with five laps to go with when Chastain and Larson, who were running first and second, were involved in a wreck with each other, and the race ended after the first overtime attempt. Stage one was won by uh, Martin Truex. Stage two won by Ross Chastain. There were 19 lead changes among eight drivers, eight cautions, and 47 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 118.880 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top 10 finishers here in the Cup Series? Yeah, that was pretty wild. I thought uh, the way the race started looked like Martin Truex was just going to cruise to, you know, to to an uh, easy victory. I mean, he was way out in front. And then, you know, you know, then he had his issues, you know, and next thing you know, you know, he's, uh, gets involved in a wreck. And then, uh, even, um, oh man, I thought for a while, Brad Kozlowski was going to have a good shot at the win too. Um, you know, he was strong all day. He, he stayed strong, stayed clean all day. Um, it was good to see Kevin Harvick get second. It was good to see Chase Elliott, you know, yep. still continue, you know, with this, you know, with another top five finish. Um, it's kind of ironic because the paint scheme that that William Byron ran was one of Jeff Gordon's old metallic paint schemes. And uh, Rick Hendrick <laughs> made a comment after the race. He goes, yeah, he goes, the one we have in the museum, he goes, all faded. He goes, now, now we can put this winning car in there. He goes and take that old faded one out. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, a uh, it was, a it was a, uh, a good, uh, a lucky win for Byron, you know, and then of course, you know, Chastain took blame for the, for the hit on, on Larson. Um, you know, he said, Hey, you know, I was running him up, you know what? And I mean, you got to give him credit for, 
at least being honest, he's like Joey Logano. Logano was the same way. If Logano raced you hard, he came out to the race and said, you know, hey, you know what? You know, I, I was racing you hard, you know, and Ross said, you know, and, you know, he's getting a lot of heat. Now, even Rick Hendrick even had to add in a little bit of his, you know, say, you know, that, you know, what he's, yeah, what he's doing is not right, you know, and he's making a lot of enemies, you know what? But, you know, um, all in all, you know, yeah, it's well, racing. Also, I mean, yeah, Justin Marks yeah. did mention that he felt it was time for him to kind of step in. He he believes in Ross Chastain. He believes in his talent. Uh, but he said it's time for us to step in and, and uh, address it because he felt it was a little over the line uh, this weekend. And for Justin Marks to say that, uh, that that's saying something. But I hope that they don't come down too hard on him because Ross Chastain has been really good for the sport. He is a hard racer. You know what? Uh, he he is aggressive. Go ahead. He is. You know what? And I don't think they're going to really tell him too much. I think Justin Marks has just said that, you know, just to save face, you know, just to, you know, calm the, calm, you know, Why? just to calm the storm a little bit. But I really don't think mm-hmm. he's going to tell him, hey, you need to change your driving style because you can't tell a driver to change the driving style you know, he's aggressive, yes, but everyone else is aggressive, too. I mean, Kyle Busch gets mm-hmm. aggressive. Danny Hamlin gets aggressive. You know, Martin Truex is known to get aggressive. Kevin Harvick has been aggressive. You know, it's mm-hmm. just they just don't like it because, you know what, it, it's Ross Chastain, you know what, and, and you know what, and, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you know. We've, we've spent a lot of racing. time talking to Ross Chastain. He's, he's, he's a good guy yeah. in my book. Yeah, you know, and, and I, but I, I really don't think Justin Marks is going to tell him anything. I think he's going to tell him, hey, you know what, you know, just try and, you know, be a little bit more, you know, you know, try, try and give him a little bit more room, you know, but mm-hmm. I, but I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be aggressive, you know, with the way he tells him because, you know what, I think he's just doing, you know, just to say, you know, just to, just to cool the, you know, mm-hmm. just to cool everybody. But I mean, you know, you, 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 you can't, you can't tell a driver, you know, that that's just his style. You know what? You just can't tell a driver, hey, I need you to change your style, you know, because, yeah. you know, because the other ones don't approve of it. You know, just like yeah. Kyle Busch said, you know, Noah Gregson wasn't the driver that should have went over there and, and confronted, you know, Chastain. <laughs> it should have been somebody else. You know, I yeah. thought that was funny. You know, then, then afterwards, and he says, you know, at least give him 30 seconds, you know, to, you know, you know, you know, to uh, pound it out. But I thought that was great when Kyle Busch said that, you know what, and I, I felt the same way, you know. I felt, you know, that, that Noah was way out of line by saying somebody had to do it, and, and I took the initiative to do it because, first of all, you know, Noah, you wrecked yourself. You yeah. know, Ross didn't yeah. touch you. In the end, you know, you hit the in wall the end I think if he looked at the video – he will see. I think First. that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but I do want to kind of going back to this week. Yeah, yeah. Going back to this week, you know, you know, William Byron three wins. You know what? William Byron got. He's Kyle Busch talked about William Byron too at the end of the season. You know, well, you know, who's this kid? You know what? He's he don't have no business out here. You know, he, you know, he's in the wrong series. You know, and, and look at here he is mm-hmm. with already three wins. You know what? And and, and he's. You know, and he's competing. You know, at you know, 
at you know at a, at a good you know at a good level. You know what? And having to fill the shoes yeah. of Jeff Gordon isn't easy in that twenty four car. You know, well, Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick talked about having to fill the shoes of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s car, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, here William Byron is having to fill the shoes, you know, of, of Jeff Gordon. You know, he's coming to his yeah. own. I mean, he's having a really good – you can't take away from – you know, he's having a really good season, you know. Heck, you know, three wins, you know, and, and um, you know, he's getting the job done, you know. Congrats to Kevin Harvick, yeah. like I said, you know. He's still, you know, last season, you know, I know he's going to get a win. You know Harrison Burton. You know with the six. You know the Wood Brothers car. You know that was that was huge for you know for that team. You know to you know to get up there. You know especially at a, a track like this. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to uh, continue on here, Sal, uh, before we run out of time. Uh, I do want to mention that there were uh, let's see here twenty two cars on the lead lap at the end of the race. Uh, one car finishing a lap down. Uh, you've got a couple of, let's see, about five cars here that finished uh, two laps down. Uh, and Ryan Newman uh, was running at the end of the race, but he was actually four laps down. Uh, Ross Chastain had that accident, took him out of the race on lap 287. Josh Berry was out. Uh, actually, he was he finished multiple laps down Lap 286 is all he got in. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. was out due to that accident on 280, lap 280. Uh, B.J. McLeod had a steering issue, taking him out of the race on lap 226. Michael McDowell out because of an accident on lap 200. Daniel Suarez, same thing, accident. He was out on lap 199. Austin Dillon out due to an accident on 196. And Brennan Poole had a transmission issue that took him out of the race. He only got 39 laps in. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was uh, – the. it was a close finish, 0. 0.781 thousandths of a second. Uh, between the first and the second place driver Kevin Harvick, so uh, they made it. They made it a close one anyway. Made it very interesting at the end. Yes, you know, and, and on a quick note, even um, Jeff Gluck made a comment today on Twitter, and he said, you know, he's surprised, you know, at you know at what you know Justin Mark said, you know about um, you know, you know about you know the cost for concern. He says whether people like him or not, Ross has made NASCAR so compelling lately. It would be a shame to see him reined in, you know, in my opinion, you know, so even Jeff says, you know what, leave, leave him alone, you know, let the guy, he's leading the points, you know, everybody's pissed off because he's leading the points without a win, you know what, I think that the cars have become so equal uh, that a lot of these veteran drivers don't expect a driver like Ross Chastain to be up there competing with him. And I think it irks them a little bit uh, that he's up there racing because it's gotten to the point that they blame him for a lot of things that aren't always his fault. And um, I think all of the drivers are racing more aggressively than usual. And uh, drivers like Denny, like uh, Kyle Larson and John Hunter Nemechek, they understand that, and that's why they're not mad at each other at the end of a race. And I think that uh, as these drivers kind of uh, come to realize that all of these cars 
are are equal. They're they're within milliseconds of each other uh, on the racetrack in some cases, and uh, they're going to have to accept it, that drivers that aren't normally up there are going to be up there contending for some of these races. It's a tough pill to you know, swallow for some of these guys. You know, then how do you think they felt watching, you know, the, you know, the the show after the race, you know, you know, they had the, what the 25 best moments at NASCAR. Ross Chastain gets number two with the, with his Martinsville, um, with the, with the wall, you know, and here, he, you know, he's, he's number two, you know, yeah. that was, that was the number two yeah. best thing. And, you know, and, and then he, now he's leading the points with zero wins, five playoff points, you know what? And, uh, you I know, think I there's mean, a little jealousy going on. Oh, there's a lot of jealousy going on, especially from Kyle Busch, who likes to run his mouth about everybody anyways. You notice it wasn't any saying <laughs> things like Joey Logano, because Joey's the same way. Joey would do the same thing. He stays quiet. Ryan Blaney don't say nothing. You know what? He hey, He's got his own issues. Of course, Danny Hamlin, that guy will run his mouth. Danny will never win a championship. I'm sorry. He just... <laughs> He's he's gonna go he's gonna go down as another Mark Martin. He's gonna yeah. go down as a Mark yeah. Too bad he doesn't have the attitude that Mark Martin has. You know, Mark Martin was a really nice guy in the draft. But anyway, so so anyways, back to the points before we run out of time. We got um, Ross Chastain yep, leading the points. Chris Chris Bell in second, Kevin Harvick in third, Danny Hamlin in fourth, William Byron in fifth, Mark 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 Martin. Mark Truex Jr. in sixth, Ryan Blaney in seventh, and Tyler Reddick round out the top eight because they take 16 in. And then from there, then we go to ninth is Kyle, Brad Keselowski, then Kyle Larson, and then Kyle Busch with two wins, Joy Logano with one win. Thirteenth is Chris Boucher. Fourteenth is uh, our Daytona 500 winner, Ricky Stenhouse. Fifteenth is uh, uh, Wallace. And 16th is Chase Briscoe. And uh, so far, 17th, they have Alex Bowman if he comes back. Well, when he comes back. And 18th is uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Suarez, who is uh, eight points behind Alex Bowman. The highest rookie right now yeah. is Ty Gibbs. Yeah. 19th and, two points. You know, He's yeah. only two points behind Daniel Suarez. Yeah, you know, you haven't really heard much about Ty Gibbs. You know, he started off a little strong and then, you know, just kind of kind of mm-hmm. well, faded out into the – and where's our punching bag at? Our punching bag is 32nd in points. Noah Gregson. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Noah Gregson, 32nd in points. Yeah. They played a video, well, and, and, and when, when Chastain hit – Breaks and you can hear the pop of the skin. Pop. Oh, I know. I was like, dang, that was, oh. that was a. <clears throat> he popped. Well, Noah body. had his arm raised. If, if if he hadn't been pulled back, I'm sure he would have laid one in, as well. Uh, but NASCAR stopped know. that. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, but you know what? But you know when you look at the, Chastain was holding Noah's other arm, which was his yeah. punching arm. So. So basically, Noah's going to hit him with the with 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 his off arm. So I mean, how much power is he going to have behind it? Um, yeah. You still yeah, well, farmers, that's a good farmers point. are just yeah. But anyway, you know, Chastain's leading the points. You know what? It's, it's neat, you know, to see uh, 
you know, to see him up there, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't yeah. think nobody likes it. <clears throat> you know, you can tell the well, ones that don't like it. Those it's are been screen. one of my favorites for a long time. You know that. And you still, uh, you know, put, put him in a, in a JGR car or a HMS car and see how well he, you know, see, oh, see yeah. how many wins he would have him. by now, you know. But I think track house racing yeah. is right up there with the best. Uh, track house racing is, has really come a long way in a short span uh, with yeah, uh, Justin Marks. And uh, they're no second-tier team as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, even Daniel Suarez. Where's Daniel at in points? He's uh, there. But he's not that far back. He's only eight points behind he's uh, in 18th. Bowman. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, yeah, he's in 18th. You know, and and I mean, for a while, you know, Daniel. I mean, he's been have Daniel's had some good runs this year too. So, you know, between him and Chastain, you know, I'm you know I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll get a win. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a hard fought win, but I'm sure he'll get a win before the end of the season. Yep, I think so too. Uh, Daniel's a good. Well, Daniel is a good guy. <laughs> Uh, I remember him uh, talking to us and telling us how he was learning English by watching TV. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Daniel's Daniel's a good guy. Uh, Sal, you going to be at the racetrack this weekend real quick? Yeah, I'll be at the SRL race at Orndale. Good deal. The SRL good deal. Saturday night, Sounds so good. looking forward to that. Okay, well, we'll look forward to talking to you again on Monday night next week, and uh, we'll do it all over again here. All right, you guys have a good, good, good evening, a good day. Have have a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, okay, thanks, Sal. Okay, goodbye. all right. Uh, goodbye. We're at the top of the hour, one minute past, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining us for tonight's show is, uh, well, let's say Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Ready to talk again about some uh, hot topics following a good, I felt, good weekend of racing. <laughs> It was a good weekend of racing. And Mike Orzel, welcome to you as well. Hello. Good to be back. Okay, Mike, why don't you kick us off here tonight? All right. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the hard accident that Kyle Larson, other drivers as well, but the damage was to Kyle Larson's car uh, at Talladega. NASCAR this past week has announced the changes that they're going to make to the roll cage structure starting not this weekend, but next weekend for the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte. And it involves adding gussets to some of the weld points on the passenger side of the roll cage. And if you're not familiar with what a gusset is, it's basically a triangular piece of metal that helps reinforce and strengthen those welded areas to hopefully prevent some of the, the bending that we saw from that hard hit that the number five car took from Ryan Priest at the end of the Talladega race. Okay. So, Jay, uh, your thoughts about the changes from Talladega that are going to be implemented for the Charlotte race. Is that the one you're talking about, Jay? Mike? Yeah, sure is. 
Okay. You you got to applaud uh, NASCAR for the, the, I guess call it research they did. They t- they took both cars back to the R and D, looked at the accident, the way it happened. One of those kind of, if you will, freak things the way we saw it hit and it tear apart the right side of the of Kyle Larson's car. Just couldn't understand even how it happened. Well, obviously it can happen. So they took a, took a look at it and implementing some things to make it better. I mean, that's what they're always doing is looking for these things um, to make them better. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that it takes that a situation a lot of times to bring that look about. But there are so many things, and I think back to when that where they were when they put in the safer barriers and where they were putting up. You know, there's a spot on the wall where they just don't think a car can get to. Somehow it manages to. So they they go from there. Um, you know, fortunately, nobody was hurt. The car was still safety-wise, you know, very very structurally secure. However, there was some more damage than what we've seen or anticipated, I think. Um, so they're making some changes, and I think that's a good thing. I know when you look at Charlotte, not necessarily the same speeds you'd have at Talladega, but it's still up there. And again, depending on how a car gets crossed up and another car hits it from that side, or if it were to hit a an, uh, a wall or another barrier, what it could do. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I applaud. They, they not only brought in Kyle Larson's car, but then also Ryan Priest's, uh, I believe it was, uh, as the car that hit it to understand even how it happened to really understand what what's happening and and what can be done to fix it. Yeah, give NASCAR uh, big kudos on this one. They did their due diligence um, and and really looked at uh, the impact and and what they could do differently. Uh, in order to make it safer for the drivers. I I remember a lot of people saying, fortunately, that happened on the passenger side of the car versus the driver's side of the car. Uh, They did say that they do reinforce that driver's side uh, a little bit more than they do the passenger side. But um, uh, it was kind of scary that it it kind of opened up like a, a... like it'd been hit with a can opener of some sort, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that uh, they they're implementing uh, that change. Um, the changes include the additions of what Mike had talked about, the gusset plates, which would make the connection areas of the bars much stronger. And I think that that's uh, uh, a really good change. And I'm sh- I'm hoping that the drivers are as happy about it as we are. Uh, but I, I do have to give huge kudos to NASCAR and, and the R&D uh, Development Center for everything they did to kind of research this and then do what they needed to do to make it safer for the drivers. Mike? So there's two really big, you know, kudos, tip of the hat thing here. Uh, first is NASCAR coming out and being very transparent about the changes that they're making. But the other big one that I, I think is, is even better is that they're doing it now. I think they got a really big black eye last year with the way they handled the rear impact situation with this car. They knew they had an issue. They had drivers getting injured and missing time. Kurt Busch effectively ended Kurt Busch's career 
Um, and NASCAR's position was, we know there's an issue, but we don't want to make any changes until the offseason. I'm really glad that they right. decided that they weren't going to wait till the offseason this time. They identified something that they believe could be improved on the car, and they're implementing it as promptly as they can in order to make it safer for the drivers. Hopefully, we don't end up in a situation like we had last year where there is an issue with the car, and NASCAR is slow to implement changes because they don't want to rock the boat or something like that in the middle of the season. I would say driver safety is more important than rocking a boat or whatever terminology you want to use here. And I think NASCAR made the right decision by implementing these changes now in the middle of the season versus waiting until the off-season revisions for the car going into the 2024 season. So big kudos for NASCAR on that one. As far as whether it's going to make the, the car safer, I would assume it will. Um, obviously, Kyle Larson wasn't hurt in this situation, which is a very good thing. However, it could have just as easily gone the other way. So, obviously, NASCAR and their engineering team, they saw something that they believe can be improved, and hopefully these changes, they seem like they should be fairly minor, but increasing the strength of that roll cage hopefully will prevent a situation like this from happening again. And if that wreck were a little bit worse in the future, maybe these changes will help make the difference between uh, a driver potentially getting hurt and being as fortunate as Kyle Larson was in this case to not be hurt. Yeah. Uh, Jay, your follow-up? Well, one thing, one thing uh, I know Mike's <laughs> taking it as a positive that NASCAR's reacting. It is also a matter of it takes time to implement something. When you go back to the rear-end issue um, of last year, it's not just a matter of immediately implementing something. It's not like you add on one additional bolt, bolt, here's the bolt. You're talking about having to redo the cars. That takes time, that takes resources, and it costs money. So that is a thing. I don't think NASCAR looked at it last year and said, no, safety isn't important, we're going to wait till the end of the season. It's they wanted to know exactly what to do to make it safety and how they could implement it without it being a major overhaul to these teams and the, the cars they have out there in the fleet already. So there's a balance there, and people need to understand that, and that's where I think they're too of – I think I saw some questions of, well, why are they waiting until Charlotte? You know, why not already this weekend? Um, I think there's a couple of things. Again, you look at, it, at North Wilkesboro for the all-star event, it's going to be a short track, which, again, the speeds aren't as high, which is part of what caused that problem. And even Charlotte isn't as high as Talladega, but that's where they're implementing it. Um, but that also gives them, especially with the off week of a points race, I'll say that. I, I know the, the teams are still obviously uh, running North Wilkesboro um, for the all-star race, but they're a lot closer to home. Give them a little bit more time, uh, time frame to work within as well to at least prepare a couple of cars that they're going to run at Charlotte as well as down the road. Um, I don't know if that's a change, then it's going to be a permanent across all tracks. I, I would assume so, but uh, that, that'll be a, a full-time thing. But it gives them that window to work w within, again, a little bit of time, uh, availability of resources. Again, I don't know what that's going to take as far as um, adding that bar um, and plate. Um, so I, th I think they laid it out pretty well. Okay. Yeah, I do too. And I'm going to come in uh, probably just slightly in the middle here between Mike and Jay uh, as it relates to um, 
the changes and how they were handled last year compared to this year. I, I really think there's a combination of things that went on here. I think that they did listen to some of the other, some of the feedback from the drivers who were really upset about that. And and to Mike's point, uh, they did take a little bit of a black eye for not being able to do anything. But I also think Jay is right. I think that, that um, sometimes you can't make changes on a dime. Uh, and if you remember last year, there were some, there were still some supply chain issues uh, that a lot of these teams were dealing with as well. So making those changes and being able to implement those changes uh, probably couldn't happen as expeditiously as what they're doing this year when that supply chain issue is not as much of an, an issue. Um, so I, I do think that uh, NASCAR has made a real concerted effort to hear what the drivers are saying uh, and to try to um, be on top of it uh, a lot more this year with regard to uh, taking care of some of those issues uh, that are happening. And I do applaud them for that because, uh, you know, we talked about hitting the side door and it opening up the way it did. Uh, there were bends in the roll bar on that uh, passenger side too. If that thing would have broken, it could have really uh, done some harm to that driver. So I think it's important that they did make those roll bars uh, a lot stronger. And time's going to be the test, right? This is kind of an ongoing evolving process that takes place within NASCAR. They're never going to get it perfect. They're never going to be done making changes to the car. It's something that is continuously happening. And, uh, you know, time always tells the rest of the story when it comes to these kinds of things. So, but I do have to applaud NASCAR for being on top of it and uh, taking care of some things. They had some extenuating circumstances, I think, last year that made it harder for them to do what they're doing this year. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on your follow-up? I think this is kind of one of those deals where you, you, you hope they never find out whether this was a good change or not. Because in order for them to find yeah. that out, that means that another driver needs to take a shot in the door like Kyle Larson did at Talladega. So let's, let's keep this on the academic and engineering level and, and hope that, yep, it's good, and we never have to worry about testing it in the future. Kind of like Jay said, though, history says that race car drivers will find ways to bang their cars into anything, including each other, <laughs> in any way you possibly could come up with. So there's a good chance this will be tested, but... Let's let's keep our fingers crossed and at least hope we get a, a little bit of time here before we see another driver take as hard of a hit as Kyle Larson did at Talladega. And yeah. let's hope that that driver, whoever it may be, is just as okay afterwards as Kyle Larson was after Talladega. And I'll leave it at that. He's a tough cookie. Okay, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, a little surprised it wasn't the, uh, the first one as, as it, it was, but... Yet again, we're going to talk about Ross Chastain. And in my mind, uh, with, the, with the way everything went down, I almost kind of see the uh, going to throw back to uh, Richard Childress and Kyle Busch. Here, hold my watch. Uh, Rick Hendrick had some pointed words uh, when it came to post-race as well. Okay, Mike, your thoughts about uh, Ross Chastain? 
Well, I'm going to have to paraphrase a couple things here because I don't have anything directly in front of me. But, yeah, Rick Hendrick basically said that he's, he's getting real tired of the way Ross races people and you, you can't do it like that and, and so on and so forth. He didn't tell anybody to hold his watch as he went and, and punched Ross. He probably saw what Ross did to, to a younger fitter, Noah Grayson, last week and probably didn't want to take his chances. Uh, I love Rick Hendrick, but I don't think uh, – age and, and health is on his side in terms of taking on the Florida man. So that's probably a wise move on Rick's part. Uh, more interesting today, though, was Justin Marks' comments on SiriusXM, where he said that they are going to have a discussion with Ross about some of the things that they do here. And my take on it is they really should tread lightly with trying to tone Ross Chastain down. Like it or not, Ross Chastain is the best thing that has happened to the NASCAR Cup Series in probably close to 20 years. And I'm talking about in terms of notoriety, of reach, of, of recognizability, et cetera. Prior to Ross Chastain coming on the scene, if you went to a non-NASCAR fan 20 years ago and you asked them to name some current NASCAR Cup Series drivers, they probably rattle off Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, whether they met junior or senior, and, and so on. But now if you go to a non, and, that, and that's good because those were all the stars of the sport 20 years ago. But if you go to a non-NASCAR fan today, they're probably just as likely to name off Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, none of whom have raced in the NASCAR Cup Series in this decade, going on 10 years for some of those guys. That's not good. NASCAR does not have recognizable stars in the series anymore. Many people have talked about it. Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and others have talked about NASCAR needs that star, that recognizable star that people who don't follow NASCAR, they still know and they associate with NASCAR racing. And Ross Chastain is that guy, or at least he's well on his road to be there. People know who Ross Chastain is. People know that Ross Chastain, he, he is a no BS kind of guy. He is going to race you as hard as he possibly can because he wants to beat you. And that's how he races his car. And I would, I would use a lot of caution trying to tone him down and turn him just into another bland, unexciting, corporate-type driver that fans complain so much about. As much as people love within NASCAR may love Chase Elliott or Ryan Blaney, they are not the overarching, transcendent personality that NASCAR needs to reach out and grab people and bring them into our sport who otherwise aren't following it right now. Ross Chastain is, and we need that guy. And as much as, as, much as he steps on people's toes – we need to understand that Ross Chastain is a good avenue for NASCAR. Even if it involves a few torn-up race cars, he's good for NASCAR. Yes, indeed. I would agree with you. I do think that um, Rick Hendrick – you can appreciate where Rick Hendrick's coming from, though, too. Uh, he's had to take care of those cars that have been wrecked. Uh, I think the crew chief said this is three times now we've been taken out of the race. Uh, by Ross Chastain, and they have to go back and clean up those cars, and and uh, it takes money to do all of that. So I can appreciate where Rick Hendrick is coming from. Uh, Sal and I talked about this a little bit earlier on the show, and and Sal's the one who actually said this part. Uh, he said it seems to him that because of what Rick Hendrick said and his his um, uh, passion, I guess you will, about it. Uh, he felt that maybe it was something that forced uh, Justin Marks to have to say something uh, to kind of 
calm the waters a little bit uh, between the teams. And uh, I think Justin Marks might be looking at it also from Rick Kendrick's point of view and understanding that that, that bill uh, keeps racking up uh, from the Ross Chastain hits. So um, I, I think that if Justin Marks, I, I'm sure he is going to address it with Ross Chastain, but I think it would, it's more in response to what, uh, Rick Hendrick was saying, and more. I, I think Sal's right. I think it's more of a, a let's calm the waters here. Uh, and they said that they're going to more aggressively handle it uh, with internally, and that's how it should be handled is internally. But I, I don't think Justin Mark recognizes the talent of Ross Chastain, and I think he also uh, doesn't want to overdo it to Mike's point. He he wants to keep that uh uh racer's attitude, if you will, of I'm not satisfied with finishing second. I go I want to go out there and win races. So uh if anybody can do that, it's gonna be a, a, a team owner like Justin Marks, uh who is a racer himself. He understands the racer mentality. He understands the owner's side of the the perspective here. And um uh, I, I think, you know, and Ross Chastain has admitted to making mistakes. That's the other part of this. So somehow uh, they've got to rein him in as far as making those kind of mistakes and uh, understanding when it's okay to give a little room versus knocking the guy out of the race. Um, so I, I think they'll do that. Uh, but I don't think we have to worry about them uh, dampering Ross Chastain's uh, passion for winning races. What do, what do you think, Jay? Yeah, I think you both hit on, on a couple of key things. Um, as Mike said, of you don't want to take that uh, aggressive desire to win out of Ross Chastain. And we've already seen it in three to four years as Ross got into some top uh, better rides and could run up front more, even since then, you've seen a change in him and how he drives on the track. He's finishing races consistently, doesn't have a win. He's leading the points, obviously. Mm -hmm. Sharon, you said it up with Justin Martz. Uh, A little bit of a response, hey, we'll say we're going to calm the waters. I don't doubt they're going to talk to him, and I don't even know that he needs to be talked to, because as you said, Sharon, he admits it. When they interviewed him, he said, yeah, I made a mistake. I'm standing here outside the infield care center while they finish the race. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like it was an intentional run over you. I'm going to take you out. He tried to run him up the track, as, as they said, not give him a whole lot of room, got a little away from him. Um, I'm sure it was not his desire to turn across the hood and go into the wall. <laughs> the The one thing I look at is, Are we having this conversation if it's not Ross Chastain? Last week at Kansas, Denny Hamlin uh, to get the victory. Yeah, he got booed. Okay, there's not some people don't particularly like Denny Hamlin. Kyle Larson is obviously kind of a fan favorite right now. Um, Yesterday in the Xfinity Series race, we saw it go both ways between John Hunter Nemechek and Kyle Larson. That was okay. It was good, hard racing. Prior, earlier in this race, Martin Truex did the same thing. It was from the rear end of the car and took himself out. We're not having that discussion. 
the restart before Kyle Larson had done the same thing. And when the caution came out to reset it and Chastain was the leader, there was radio chatter. Hey, you know what he's going to do because you just did it to him. And Kyle Larson acknowledged that. So that the move itself was anticipated. Okay. So like I said, I think it did, uh, as he said, maybe carried a little bit too much speed and couldn't hold it down there, got further up the track than what he wanted or could hold it. So, yeah, there are some things that, that Ross maybe needs to look at. And like I said, he said that himself. He's like, yeah, it didn't work the way I wanted. I'm <laughs> standing outside here with a wrecked race car. They're out there finishing the race. So um, when it comes to that, but like I said yesterday, oh, it was a great race, hard racing. The, the Ricky Craven-Kurt Busch battle, we saw that, and that's considered historic and one of the best finishes ever. It was hard racing. So you want that. Don't take that away. Um like I said, I think right now it is a little bit a matter of, and unfortunately right now it does seem to not only involve Ross Chastain. I know Kyle Larson, I'll go back and go into this on the second go round, but Kyle Larson has been involved in a couple of them uh, as of recent, as he said he can't finish a, seem to get to finish a darn race, I think is what he said, <laughs> or close to it. Okay, Mike, your follow-up. So to your point, Sharon, um, I think you're, you're right about the direction that discussion needs to go. It doesn't need to be, hey, you need to tone it down. I think it, it needs to be results-focused. Ross, take a look at this. You won two races in 2022. So, uh, you won Circuit of the Americas, where the two leaders in front of you wrecked, and you ended up scooting by and winning that race. And then you won Talladega, where the leaders in front of you wrecked, and you scooted by and won those, that race. Since then, you have been the guy leading the race, wrecking, and handing it to somebody else. That is what needs to change. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think his aggressive nature needs to change. I think his, his ability to put himself in a position where he's capitalizing on other people's mistakes, not making this mistakes that other people capitalize on. I think that's where Ross Chastain is lacking right now. Like Jay said, he is leading the points. He's getting good enough finishes to be leading the points. However, aside from those two wins in 2022, Ross has not won a single race. He's not won anything in 2023. He didn't win a single thing in 2022 after that Talladega win. Um, so and he has never really dominated a race and closed it out and, and won. Even the two wins that he had, like I said, they kind of fell into his lap. He, did, he was fast at both days of those racetracks, but he didn't dominate either one of those races. He has not had the dominating performance and taken it to victory lane to really make that statement of, hey, I'm here. What are you going to do about it? His statement of like that has just been running into people and, and rough racing, which is fine. But he's at the point in his career, if he does want to become that, that big superstar, that transcendent face of NASCAR, he's really got to start going to victory lane more often because, like I think it was uh, Dale Jr. Uh, or what Kevin Harvick said about Dale Jr., where you can be the big superstar face of the sport, but at some point your resume has to back that up. And that was Kevin Harvick's criticism of Dale Jr., where Jr., yes, he would win races periodically, but he wasn't the dominant force Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt Sr. were to really put the sport on his back and carry it. And if Ross is going to be that guy, that recognizable face of the sport that people who don't watch NASCAR know exactly who he is and can run a highlight reel through their head of the things he does, that has to include Ross going to victory lane, and he's got to start that soon if he's going to be that guy. Yeah. 
I, I hear what you're saying, Mike, but we got to understand why Ross Chastain's not winning races. He's got a lot of enemies on the track right now, and no matter what happens on the track, it's Ross Chastain's fault. Uh, there, just a couple races ago, or maybe it was last race, uh, there was a, a group of drivers that were uh, blocking him, and I think Kyle Larson was one of those drivers that were blocking him and making sure that he didn't uh, get up to the front and contend for that win. So I think that there's some other factors there that are are involved with him not winning races yet. But um, uh, Ross Chastain, I think about him racing with JD Motorsports for the number of years that he raced with them. Uh, it wasn't winning races, running at the back of the pack, running in the Xfinity Series, and it was uh, jo- um, uh, Johnny Davis that told him, "Listen, you need to spread your wings a little bit." Ross Chastain uh, took note. And he went out and entered every truck race, every Xfinity Series race, every Cup Series race uh, that he could enter. And he was racing a lot of races in order to accelerate his career to get into the NASCAR Cup Series. And that paid off because he was winning races in the Truck Series, in the Xfinity Series, and he went on to win uh, in the Cup Series as well. Um I see Ross Chastain as a wild horse that just needs to be tamed a little bit. He just needs to be calmed down a little bit. And if he can rein in the reins, if you will, and and get that, um, he, he rose very quickly from J.D. Motorsports into NASCAR's top series, racing against the best drivers, and now they're in a car that is equal for all of these drivers. And I think he's done pretty darn well, uh, all things considered. He just needs to be toned down a little bit, and that wild horse just needs uh, to get that that um, uh, feel, if you will, for when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. We're at that time of the show where I need to do an announcement, and I am going to let our first-time listeners know that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time here tonight. But our Fan for Racing crew here is going to continue our conversation, and that part of the conversation will be recorded and available as part of our bonus overtime material for the uh, podcast. What I'll do is I'll go out on Twitter to let everybody know and Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to our player at com and just fast forward to that two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, we don't want any of our new listeners to be caught off guard and not know uh, what's going on or how they can hear the rest of the conversation. And that's why we make this announcement at time of the night. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, uh, in time uh, we're going to see a great driver uh, do some great things. But um, it's going to take a little a little more time. And I think Justin Marks is the right team owner for uh, Ross Chastain. Jay? Well, a couple of things um, that I want to hit on here on the second go-round. As Mike said it, uh, of 
you're looking at the championship, or, the, or may, I take that back, maybe assurance, the number of enemies you have out there to win the championship. You know, yeah, the teams are out there uh, not necessarily taking him out, but not going to give him an inch. But the other thing I look at is Kyle Larson as a, as a driver. Uh, yeah, you've heard him express a couple of little things here and there, but he also knows, and I think we'll see maybe some of that on the uh, DIRT program we get to watch tomorrow night on FS1. He also knows that all drivers, and I say all, oh, I'll come back to that, have their moments of what they've done. Um, you know, we've seen it. You've never seen Kyle Larson have maintained a long-term feud with anybody. Yeah, he has a frustration. He expresses it, doesn't like it, but then moves on because he knows that he's been on the other side of it. Uh, and I just think about the deal with Bubba Wallace or whoever it be. And like I said, he was involved with one with John Hunter Nemechek. He wasn't mad when Hamlin got him the week before at Kansas. Um, so that understand it. And I say all drivers. There's very few. I think you can count them on one hand. Mark Martin, to me, being at the top of the list, that never really put a bumper to anybody. Martin Truex Jr. is another one that at least ranks up there with very limited that you see him. Most of the drivers, when need be, especially for a victory, coming down in the closing laps, if need be, will use that bumper. Now, it's a matter of how often it happens. And I understand why the, the fact that it is Ross Chastain every week, why people are getting tired of it. As Rick Hendrick said, it does seem to involve him frequently. And that's where that toning it down just a little bit. Um, does need to come into play to, as Mike put it, that was the other one I, I said Mike had brought up. I hadn't really thought about it. His victories uh, last year did were kind of, if you will, handed to him, or he was in the position to take advantage of what happened in front of him um, when it happened, whereas now he's the one that's in front having it happen to him, and somebody else like William Byron is the one capitalized on it. Uh, that was an interesting perspective there, Mike. I hadn't really looked at and seen. You're right. He hasn't ever been the one to dominate out front all race. Hey, catch me if you can type victory. So we'll see if that can change. Um, again, as, as Justin Marks works with him, I think just a little bit. Uh, I don't think it needs to, to be a whole lot, though. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, I'm going to just add one more other thing here that I forgot to mention earlier. And that is, if you look at what happened between John Hunter Nemechek and Kyle Larson in the Xfinity Series race, um, uh, some people thought John Hunter Nemechek was going to jump out of his car and be angry. He was smiling. He was laughing. He was talking about how much fun it was to race against Kyle Larson. Um, Kyle Larson, uh, they knew that they were bumping and banging against each other uh, in that race. And neither one of them were blaming the other one because they knew that they were both doing it. Um, and to me, I thought that was probably, that was kind of refreshing to hear. Nobody was blaming anybody. Everybody was having fun. They all had smiles on their faces. Uh, and I wish we'd see more of that in the Cup Series, uh, even though both of those drivers, uh, well, John Hunter Nemechek uh, drives limited races in the Cup Series, but uh I thought it was very refreshing to hear that. I'd like to hear a little bit more of that in the Cup Series among the drivers and understanding that that's part of the way people are racing these days, especially with this next-gen car uh, where it is so hard to get those wins. So, anyway, I, I don't know if either of you have another comment after I said that, but if you do, let me know. 
No, I'm, I'm good. The next hot topic? No, we can let it. We, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on here. I, I guess I'll bring up the old spicy one. This isn't really anyone else's take but mine, but I'm interested in your opinion. Has the throwback weekend at Darlington run its course? Is it stale? Is it something that they should continue doing? Okay, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, okay, uh, yeah, I was debating about which topic to bring up. I know Mike said he wasn't going to be available on Thursday, so I really did kind of want this one to come up tonight while he's on here. Uh, Mike, I know you're out of the military. You fly planes. Stay off crack. Man, how can you possibly not want to see this throwback we can continue? And I've been trying to do some research and get some numbers. I really thought I saw it throughout the weekend where it said, there were only a few cup teams that didn't participate or have a throwback scheme that this was the biggest numbers as far as participation in the um, throwback weekend and the involvement. I mean, this is one of those, as Sharon and I talk it quite a bit, I know on the preview show when we get to talk about it and try and cover and explain these paint schemes, uh, there is still so a whole much that could be covered. And again, it doesn't matter whether it's one that's been done before. Each one's very unique when they talk about why they're throwing back to whoever, whether it be family or somebody they grew up watching as a hero to them, the sponsors themselves. Um, no, I man, this could this I think goes on forever, and I think it should because it again as the next generation comes, yeah, we might start seeing them. We th- saw a couple that only threw back a, a few years, um, even to themselves. There were a couple that had throwback. But when you heard the story, it made sense. And I appreciate it. I love it. Uh, You know, I jokingly, Mike, and I don't always disagree, but, man, this one, I'm just like, man, you got to be kidding me, Mike. Don't don't take that away from us. Yeah. You know, I kind of had the same reaction to it. I I, kind of was like, wait a minute, this is one of our favorite weekends when they do the throwback schemes, and this year in particular – I thought it was especially poignant uh, with the 75th anniversary of NASCAR uh, and the brunch they had with the, you know, the the uh, active drivers or the the people that are still around uh, that they had that brunch with the NASCAR's top 75 uh, drivers. Um, I would hate to see them go take this away. Uh, from the Darlington Race Weekend. I think it's been a huge hit. Um, And maybe not every team in every series, but I think some of these other series are starting to pick up on it, and and more and more of those drivers are starting to do it. But um, I thought it was especially poignant this year. Um, I, I would hate to see them discontinue it. Uh, I, I enjoy the weekend and seeing all the different uh, throwback schemes. And, yeah, some of them are old and tired, but um, we're starting to see drivers that uh, in the last 20 years, some of their cars are being used in those throwback schemes. So what's not to say that in the next 10 years we aren't going to see uh, some of the drivers that uh, are running paint schemes now that are going to be new paint schemes as part of the throwback uh, deal at Darlington. So I would hate to see them end it. I, I enjoy it, 
and I think a lot of fans seem to enjoy it. So um, unless I'm missing something, Mike, what am I missing? Well, obviously I brought this up, so we kind of know which direction I'm going to go. I'm going to be the contrarian here. And think back to when this first started in 2016, 2017. Why did it start? It started because NASCAR finally changed the date. Remember, Darlington only had one date at that point, and they moved the date from the spring back to the fall. The Southern 500 was back on Labor Day weekend. It's traditional or throwback, if you will, date. This throwback weekend was not something that NASCAR organized. They didn't mandate it. This is something that the teams came up with on their own and decided that they were going to do, and it was super cool. We saw a bunch of paint schemes that were just just spot on. Kyle Larson running the number 42 mellow yellow scheme. This is really where Tommy would, would be perfect for this because he's the paint scheme diecast guy, so I'm going to try and do what I can here. But Kyle Larson running the number 42 mellow yellow um, there are a few others that were just the right sponsor, right number, right everything. And as the years progressed, we saw less and less and less of that. The wrong number, the wrong sponsor, the wrong manufacturer. And I understand that there are limitations where certain sponsors have left the sport, they're not coming back and, and, and whatnot. Certain teams have different numbers than they did. That I, I understand that. But at the same time, you look at the field of cars that we had this past weekend and let's be honest, how many of those cars are recognizable, immediately recognizable? Oh, that's the car that they're throwing back to. I would say probably less than a handful. There are very, very few that you could look at and say, yeah, that's a throwback to such and such back in 19-whatever. Uh, and it was, there were only a couple that was, there was only one or two giveaways. For example, if it weren't for the, the, the stylized number nine with the E on there, who would have recognized that Chase Elliott's red number nine car was a throwback to his dad's 2003 paint scheme? The only thing that gave it away was it had the correct number on there. But a lot of cars weren't even that. For example, Ricky Stenhouse had country crock on the car, but it was supposedly a throwback to Dale Jarrett's UPS car that Ross Chastain was also throwing back to. So we have the wrong sponsor on the wrong number with the wrong – there's nothing right about that, and I really doubt that anybody would have recognized that it was a throwback to a Dale Jarrett UPS scheme, and that's kind of the point that I'm getting at. It almost feels like it's an obligation at this point. And the other thing that it, it really soured it and made it feel artificial for me was when NASCAR mandated that it was no longer going to be on the Southern 500 throwback weekend on Labor Day weekend where this whole thing started, we were going to move it to the spring race for sponsorship and playoff considerations. And now, now it feels just as forced and just as artificial as trying to call the spring race at Darlington the Southern 500 in the first place. And that's my take on it. Okay. Follow-up, Jay? Well, I will, I will give you something there, Mike, as far as that, the, um, taking it away from the, the Labor Day weekend. But that's where I think from the marketing side of it, they did a good job to split it. The throwback weekend is here in the spring. It is still the Southern 500. And that race being uh, in the playoffs, obviously sponsors, that's when they're getting highlighted, especially if your drivers are in the playoffs. So it was kind of a conflicting thing of, hey, this is when we do want our current sponsor. But the other side to what you said of, okay, take, you took uh, Ricky Stenhouse. You're right. It wasn't the, the same sponsor. The only thing that, that was matching 
was the color and scheme itself. The number wasn't the same. Uh, manufacturer, I guess, wasn't. The sponsor wasn't. But that's where the fact that you knew it, you got, they talked about it. Would I have been able to even pull it out necessarily without hearing about it or reading about it? No. But that's where you're educating those that may not have that full history or even for, and I'll use Sharon and myself, of taking us back in history. You know, I know there was what uh, Harrison Burton did, the one for the Exide car of, of Jeff Burton. It just brings back those memories. It reminds us why we're a fan to begin with of, of our, fan, or our favorites back then, whether it be driver or paint scheme sponsor. So I think that's what ties it in is maybe the history of it. I like the fact that some were creative. The one that went with the, and I'm trying to, I believe it was in the Xfinity Series, Sam Hunt Racing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Sharon, you can maybe help me out. I know we talked about it on Thursday. The fire department um, red engines, you know, uh, of that. We saw some from rally racing. We saw the Castro from, that was a crossover from another motorsports in general. So I think there were some good plans and a lot of things that can still be done creatively where it has not fully run its course or, or anything that it, it shouldn't be done anymore. Okay. Uh, there were some unique uh, paint schemes there. And um, I, there's not a whole lot more that I can really say about it. I, it's, it's just a weekend that I really enjoy. I love the throwbacks. And, and I like your point also about the educating uh, newer fans that might not be able to relate to some of those paint schemes. It's fun to hear the stories that are behind those paint schemes and the drivers, the stories of the drivers that are behind those paint schemes. And, and uh, uh, I think that's part of what makes it fun. You get to hear those stories and, and uh, learn more about uh, the history of the sport. So I, I think it would be a shame to take it away, but uh, Mike, you get the final word here. So it's the David Engine Y, so I've got a bag on Fox and their broadcast product here as well. Um, the throwback weekend gave Fox an opportunity to be their absolute worst with the hey, remember when thing. And I understand it's throwback weekend, and that's kind of the point. But at the same time, that's what Race Hub is for. That's what the pre-race show is for. That's what anything other than the actual race broadcast is for. They spent most of stage one talking about everything but the race on the racetrack. It was background noise for their trip down memory lane. I'm sorry. I tuned in to watch a NASCAR Cup Series race. I did not tune in for Mike Joy's memory hour. Please show me the race. With that said, I think a better opportunity here would be if North Wilkesboro is back for real. And if North Wilkesboro is going to be the all-star race, North Wilkesboro should become the throwback race. If NASCAR can already throw a dart at the calendar and say, we want the throwback weekend on such and such a date, what better place to do it than the all-star race at North Wilkesboro, a historic NASCAR racetrack that has basically been revived, a throwback to an era that has been revived and is a great opportunity to showcase a, a, the sport on a special night. Remember, we used to do special paint schemes for the all-star race back when teams generally had the same sponsor and the same paint scheme mm-hmm. week in and week out. We've lost that because of the, the patchwork of sponsorships that we've got now. But doing something special like that on all-star weekend, especially when it's a non-points race, and maybe they could do something different with the numbers. Uh, for example, Kyle Petty running the number, or Kyle, sorry, Kyle Bush running the number 75 a few years ago to commemorate M&M's 75th anniversary. 
And Kevin Harvick running the number 29 this coming weekend at North Wilkesboro, again, throwing back to his start in the NASCAR Cup Series. You've got that extra latitude with the all-star race where I think if North Wilkesboro is going to be the thing for the next foreseeable future, they really should look at moving this, this, all, this uh, throwback weekend to the all-star race weekend, combine them, add a little bit more specialness to the all-star race, and at the same time, give a little bit more leeway and freedom to the teams to do something different with the paint schemes. Let them put the number where it needs to be, for example, right underneath the window instead of all the way forward. I think that would go a long way to reinvigorating the throwback weekend because I agree. In principle, I really like it. It's really, really cool. It's a throwback to the history of the sport, and it's a great chance to learn about it. But I think in its current uh, permutation, if you will. Uh, Jay, I'll get you a dictionary later to look that word up. I know it has a lot of syllables in it, but in its current permutation, I think it is stale, and, it, and it's only six years old, but I think it's already run its course, at least in its current form, and needs a little bit of reinvigoration. Okay, well, that's certainly some food for thought. Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, this one's a tough one. Uh, again, I have a personal one there that I put up, but let's go with Alex Bowman. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about when he's going to come back, anticipated um, possibly this weekend, but it's going to be Kyle Larson in the truck um, that Alex Bowman was supposed to run, whether or not he'll be back for the Coca-Cola 600 the following week at Charlotte. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? It's unfortunate. Um, when Alex first got hurt, they said three to four weeks. Here we are. I think uh, this Garlington was his third race coming up. North Wilkesboro was his fourth race. Uh, it looks like he's not running North Wilkesboro. He may or may not end up running Charlotte. Um, but then again, everyone who's had an injury like that, Eric Almarola, for example, said that that three to four week timeline was incredibly optimistic. And I think we're, we're, we might be starting to see the optimism kind of not panning out in terms of Alex Bowman's recovery timetable, which is okay. I mean, obviously it sucks that Alex is not in the car. We all want to see him back at the racetrack. He's, Alex is a great guy, hilarious personality. If you don't follow him on Twitter and it, it get you know, just a taste of some of the stuff that he posts, you're really missing out. The, the guy's a riot. Um, so I would love to see him back at the racetrack, but I don't want to see him racing hurt. I don't want to see him aggravate an injury and get himself even more hurt. Now, what really is tough for the number 48 team is by virtue of being a winner last year and a playoff driver, Alex Bowman was qualified for the all-star race. Unfortunately, since he's not going to start the number 48 car this weekend and Josh Berry looks like he's going to be filling in, Josh Berry is not automatically eligible for the big show. The number 48 car would be eligible, but the driver has to be eligible as well. So just because the number 48 was eligible, Josh Berry will be racing in the All-Star Open and trying to qualify via that. He's not even eligible for the fan vote because one of the prerequisites of the fan vote is you have to have attempted to qualify for the Daytona 500, which Josh Berry did not do. So the only way the number 48 car races in the big show this weekend at North Wilkesboro is if Josh Berry is to, uh, to win one of the segments of the All-Star Open. Or if another certain driver of the 48 car decides he wants to sub in for this weekend, but I don't know if that could possibly happen. Oh, it's intriguing. It's an intriguing thought. Um, I, I uh, am, happen to be a person who has had a back injury. Uh, mine was my 12th thoracic vertebrae. Uh, but uh, I think it's the T3 for for Alex Bowman. And I got to tell you, I was in a cast. 
not a cast, but a, a turtle shell for three months. It it takes a while uh, to recover from a back injury like he has, and I think it was unrealistic to think that he would be back uh, as quickly as some people thought he might be back. He said he's still very tender, and I certainly can appreciate that. Um, so I I do think that they've got a plan here uh, with Josh Berry uh, running in the open. If he wins that open, he works his way uh, right into the uh, all-star race with that number 48 car. Um, and I don't think he has to necessarily win it. I think he has to, be to win one of the segments. So I, I, I do think that uh, they're doing the right thing with that. Uh, I think that's the right way to go. Now, if somebody like a Jimmy Johnson would want to jump in behind the wheel of that number 48 car uh, for this weekend, I think there is a past champions um, caveat to all of this. Uh, but I don't know if they have to be active in order to do that. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, of course, is active. He raced uh, recently uh, for Legacy Motor Club. So it will be interesting if if that does happen. I think it's an intriguing thought. Um, But I think they're going the right way with it. Um, And I I wish uh, Alex Bowman all the best in his recovery from his back injury. But uh, uh, it's going to take a while for that to heal. Jay? Well, there's a couple things here. Um, You're talking about, first of all, who they do have in the car. Uh, it was a tough, I think, kind of a tough thing. I, I, I'm with Mike. I still don't understand why the attempting the Daytona 500 was a requirement. But I do understand of hey, the driver isn't the one. When you talk about, say, with the playoffs, uh, we've seen that in the past uh, couple years. The car is eligible, but the driver's not. They have two separate points. They can track it. Here with the all-star race, you can't really do that. Um, so I, I'm sure that was a difficult decision for NASCAR. I know they want to do the best for the teams and the fans, but uh, you gotta you gotta make that line somewhere. Um, wh- why it includes the Daytona 500? Like I said, I still don't understand that either, Mike. But with that, they've committed. They 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 have Josh Berry. Um, I don't see uh, a soon-to-be Toyota team driver getting in it, but um, <laughs> that was a different hot topic. What uh what I look at is I think that Alex Bowman may be close. I know from what it says there's certain things. Um, let's see what it says. Laughing, coughing, sneezing. I mean it's some of the, something like that where and, and we've all had some type of pain or injury where that that can cause that. I think he is close, but that's one of those of it is the All Star race. It is a non points race. If they want him to. Try and get back in contention for the for the playoffs. That waiting that extra week to Charlotte would be uh, the better decision. Um, yeah, North Wilkesboro being a shorter track, maybe be less strained. Um, as far as that, not that Charlotte would be any easier either um, when it comes to the strain as far as uh, 600 miles. So call, and I think they are. I know they said they were waiting on X-rays. Like I said, I think he is semi-close to, at least depending on what the, the, this final set of x-ray shows and how he is feeling over the next week. I, I think making that decision to not be there, be in it at North Wilkesboro, 
um, is probably the right call. Again, I think the total focus is on if he's going to get back and come at or take a shot at the playoffs, then just waiting for the Charlotte race is the better call. Well, it's not so much a matter of whether Alex can get in the car and and can he drive. I'm willing to bet that he probably could. He probably could could complete a race if all things go well for him. The problem is, is he healed up enough where he can take an impact? And that's that's the big problem. You have to assume, if you put him in the race car, you have to assume he's going to crash, or at least there's a possibility that he's going to crash. You know, could he take the worst-case scenario? And that's, that's got to be the question here. It's probably a similar question with Kurt Busch, where could Kurt Busch get in a race car and safely drive the car quickly around a racetrack? Almost certainly he could. However, with the concussion history that Kurt has, the likelihood of him having a severe injury if he were to crash again is probably high enough to the point where he is not, still not cleared to, to race in a race car. I would imagine, again, not a doctor. I've never examined Alex. I've never, I don't even think I've ever talked to the guy. But I've got to imagine that the, the consideration for Alex isn't so much his ability to, to drive a race car. It's his ability to take a crash in a race car without being seriously injured, aggravating that injury to the point where now he's missing the rest of the season and beyond because he pushed an injury too far too soon and re-injured himself to the point where a couple more weeks sitting out of the car like we're looking at right now suddenly seems like a good deal compared to the amount of recovery time it would take to recover from a follow-on aggravating injury like that. So it's, it's tough. Like I said in my first segment, I really do like Alex Bowman. I really wish he was back on the racetrack. I want him to be successful in that 48 car. But I also don't want to see him get hurt worse and end up missing even more time than he's missing right now because he got in the race car too early and ended up getting hurt even worse than he is now. So get well, Alex. We'll be here when you're ready. Absolutely, and I agree with you. It's the ability to be able to take that other those bumps uh, to be able to to take uh, another hard hit uh, is is the determining factor as to whether or not he's ready to get back into that car, and so that's where the time to heal uh, has to be taken uh, for him to heal. The other part of that is that I know when I when I had my broken back, I was on some pretty heavy duty painkillers uh, for quite a while, so. You can't be driving and um, be on those painkillers either as a NASCAR driver. So uh, maybe he is close. Uh, I hope he is. I hope he he heals quickly. And he's a whole lot younger than I was when I had my accident. And I remember there was a woman uh, that had a very similar injury to mine uh, having surgery on the same day that I had my surgery. And she was up walking around. And I was sitting there saying, hey, how come I'm not up and able to do that? Well, there was a 20-year difference between us. So uh, age has something to do with that as well. But And Alex is a young, very healthy guy, so he's going to heal a lot more quickly than I would. But um, uh, I still think that he needs to take that time to be able to sustain it, to Mike's point, uh, the bumps, the, the another impact. Uh, I don't know if you if you remember the video of the accident that he had in that sprint car, that sprint car tumbled uh, multiple times, and that's a lot of impact to a person's back. Uh, and and uh, I, 
I can only imagine, uh, you know, how how hard this is for Alex to uh, not be able to be in the race car. Race car drivers want to be in their race cars. But to to your point, Mike, it's better he take the time now and not sustain any further injury that takes him out even longer. Jay, you get the final word. Yeah, make the smartest, best decision, not just for this season or whatever. It's long-term um, for personal health as well as career. And, and I know that Hendrick has supported that. They, they even talked about whether or not he'd run a sprint car again ever or whatever. You know, that, that'll come down the road and evaluate that. But um, to just be prudent about it and making that decision and let the process um, dictate um, like I said, I think we'll hear more in the, in the next week or so. I don't know when those x-rays were supposed to come back, but they are looking at it and making that decision. They've already made the one, obviously, for this weekend at North Wilkesboro. We'll have to wait and see what we hear as far as the Coca-Cola 600 the following week. Want to start us off on the round table? Yeah, you were kind of broken there, but I think you yeah, I think you were talking to me. Um, if not, I'm going to take over. It's Mike underscore is O on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be on the radio show this coming Thursday um, because I'm going to be driving to North Wilkesboro, and I can't wait. I'm so excited to go to the racetrack this weekend. I'm, I'm excited to go to racetracks in general, but North Wilkesboro is just it's special. I remember watching this place when I was a kid, and it went away, and I spent – just like every other NASCAR fan, I spent the better part of 20 years going, man, can this place ever come back? And it's back. It's back, and I'm going to be there, and I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right. I hope you have safe travels and enjoy uh, every minute of your race weekend. Uh, Jay? Yeah, Mike, uh, don't take this personally the wrong way, but it's not unfortunate that you can't be on Thursday night because we know where you're getting to go, and I've told you this. I am so happy for you. Um, that you got those tickets and like Sharon said, enjoy it. Um, not going to say I'm not jealous, but, uh, enjoy it. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ eight on Twitter and Instagram. And I will be here Thursday night, uh, along with Sharon and somebody else, I guess. That's right. We have a guest all lined up for this Thursday night and I'm super excited about it. Uh, racing at flat rock, uh, Speedway uh, this weekend is Billy Venturini. It's been 17 years since he's been behind the wheel of the race car, and this is a bucket list item for him to be able to race at Flat Rock Speedway. So he's going to come back in the JBL number 20 for Venturini Motorsports and race uh, this weekend, and we're going to get a chance to talk to him about it Thursday night at 9 o'clock. Eastern time, and uh, I'm super excited for him, and uh, I can't wait to talk to him about it. So uh, mark that one on your calendar for this Thursday at 9 o'clock. We're going to be talking uh, to Billy Venturini. And I I can't wait to talk to him because there's so many other exciting things happening with Venturini Motorsports. Uh, In the ARCA Menard Series, uh, they're not just racing uh, in the ARCA East this year, uh, they are racing and contending for a championship in the ARCA East and the ARCA West. Uh, and that's kind of a big deal because Venturini's always been a Midwestern team that started around Chicago, Illinois. 
and uh, uh, for them to be spreading their wings and now uh, contending for a championship in the ARCA West as well is is a pretty big deal. So I'm looking forward to talking to him about that as well. Um, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website at fanforracing.com. Uh, we did play the media interview, a little bit of an interruption, uh, but we played the media interview tonight with um, uh, Kyle Larson after he won in the Xfinity Series race and got his thoughts about uh, racing with John Hunter Nemechek in those closing laps. So uh, if you get a chance to go back and listen to that, I'd recommend it. Uh, and again, uh, Jay and I will be back this Thursday night. I was going to try to maybe try to do a podcast this week, uh, but I knew I had the guest request out, and I didn't want to uh, make any changes since we'd already uh, asked him to be available at 9 o'clock on Thursday. So we're going to go ahead and do the Thursday night show, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to that as well as the upcoming weekend of racing. So um, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy uh, putting together the show. And uh, with that, guys, I think uh, I'll do a big shout-out to you guys as well uh, for being here tonight and being a part of our Fan for Racing radio program. Uh, with that, we're ready to call it a night. Good night, everybody. Always a pleasure. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.